in the back corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break. Watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show. Get some chances to win some awesome prizes. Bash you go. You know, we didn't have that back then. And, and, dude, it, it just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialed. Welcome to Bash U Live. I'm Justin Kimmel, the professional fish head for Bash U TV and your host for tonight. Lucky me, I, I cannot wait for the content of tonight's show. Um, we've got some special guests. We might get into a really tough tournament that a couple of them fish. We might talk to Pete. Uh, we might not. And, uh, and, you know, we've got, I've graduated from being the guy with the list to now the list becomes kind of a, a Q&A panel that I cannot wait. A lot of, a lot of great questions. The topic uh, later that we'll get into is on-water decision-making. By far, one of the most talked about things at our BashU seminars during the Q&A periods. A lot of great stuff I cannot wait to get in uh, into. But uh, who are we with tonight? We've got a full cast of characters in our studio Um who, who's that we see over there? We got GDP back in the house, Greg De Palma. Am I on and right? Yeah, I'm wrong. yeah I, up, couldn't, I couldn't hear if my mic was on. Yeah, what's going on, JK? How are you, buddy? It feels good to be back. Yeah, yeah man, good to see you. Uh, guys, definitely seemed like you were fishing every week there for a little while. Yeah, we've been, uh, us two have been pretty darn busy for sure. And uh, Caleb, you guys, you, you've been filming with us today. I heard great stories. I saw awesome pictures. Um and I heard that you were better at catching fish than Lee Livesey. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all trying to stir something up over there. But no, man, we had a good time. Uh, fished a lot of grass, a lot of stuff around some grass. So anytime I was doing that, I'm doing that. I'm having a good time. So. Yeah, did I did I hear a rumor of a five-pounder? Oh, yeah. Today? Pretty pretty nasty. Uh, pretty, pretty gnarly catch. It's going to be a great video. I can't wait to see it. Love it. Love it. You know, Bashu TV, when we're filming on water videos for you guys, you know, it's not always about the fish catches, but man, when we get one like that, it's like icing on the cake. Oh, dude, I, I figured that. I remember you telling me that you, you didn't really care if we got a, a fish catch, but dude, we managed to get one for all three techniques. It was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, right look on. at you. I'm going to give him a bonus. That's awesome, Caleb. Man, well, it's so, so <laughs> 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 I'm so pumped about the content that we got with you and with Lee this week. Uh, our, our on-water production crew working hard. Uh, we put Pete right to work after he got back from uh, his Bassmaster Open at Oneida. And, uh, of course, we've got the guys running the show, BTC and the birthday boy, Riz. Happy birthday. <laughs> Is it happening? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he threatened to kick the, the computer if we sang, so. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday, bro. Thanks, yeah, man. man. Yeah, Happy birthday, Another trip around the sun, probably another – 1100 fish caught um and what 14 club dubs and a and a bfl one nice yeah. man <laughs> yeah it's, it sounds better than it is um but uh yeah it's been an awesome last couple of days filming with these guys 
yesterday with Lee Livesey, today with uh, our man Caleb Summerall. Awesome content that we got from both these guys. We literally talked to them about what they are the best in the world at, and that's just something special, one, to be able to sit in on that and, and experience it firsthand, but to be a part of the production, uh, to be able to start putting this stuff out on the interwebs for all of our Bashu family, it's really awesome. So I can't wait to see this content get out there, and I look forward to the next shoot. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, speaking of all that awesome content on Bashu TV, you know, guys, if you're not signed up, if you're not a member of Bashu TV, we are pumping out uh, three, four, and sometimes five pieces a week for you guys right now. Um, I think we uh, have an awesome annual promotion that is ending very soon. I think we have one week left of the frog days of summer that gets you two uh, River to Sea, Ish Monroe, uh, Fat Frogs, or Fat Matt, Matt, Matt Daddy Frogs. It's a mouthful, but they are awesome frogs. He obviously won on this frog at, at lacrosse a few years back. Um, and, of course, the uh, the lucky hat, the latest lucky hat at Bashu, the official camo hat. For, oh, yeah. uh, That's the good for, one. We all love that camo hat, and it catches fish, let's be honest. But, uh, Riz, what else we got? So, so hold on. What hat did uh, Lee have yesterday? Uh, unlucky. I think he was just wearing his curly hair. Ah, that's what he gets. Curly hair hat. So he didn't have a hat. Yeah. Were, were, were these two in the same boat together? No. no. Oh, good, no, good, no, no. good move. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, doubt. no doubt. But yeah, JK. As always, uh, we got some stuff going out the door tonight. Uh, we got a grand prize going out for our subscribers. That's uh, some TH Marine product, uh, Rapala missile, um, some Rod Warrior rod sleeves as well. And also tonight for our guys over on Facebook, we're taking care of you too. All you got to do is like and share tonight's feed, and you'll be entered in for a chance to win a $75 gift pack from all of our amazing sponsors at Bash UTV. And for a couple of questions during the show, we're going to be giving out two $25 Gills Gear gift cards. Um, so, guys, get your questions in on the message board. I want to bring them in and uh, ask our guys on the panel tonight and get you the info to help you catch more big fish. Man, as always, locked and loaded to litter to the Bash UTV universe with awesome gifts and prizes. Uh, so look forward to uh, you guys participating and jumping in on the message board and, uh, you know, using your questions and, and you know, j jump in there right with me when we get into this awesome topic that I'm super pumped about on water decision making. Brian, what you got? Uh, I want to give a shout out to our guy, Bud Cipolletti. We had the wizard out there filling in for Jeff today uh, and yesterday. Yep. Filming these guys, Bud's, Bud's awesome, man. He's one of the best, if not the best. Uh, he, he gets some really, really awesome. I know that fish catch is going to look amazing. So, Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Bud will make it, Bud. like, romantic and, and the fireworks. Yeah, there'll be dragons. Like airplane, drag plane, dragons. <laughs> yeah, breathe the sure, fire in the dude. backgrounds. Sharks. The around the monsters going to come straight out of the up. bay. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, amazing to get a couple uh, days with our friend Bud. It seems like he has the most busy schedule there is I, I mean he's in another state every time i look up oh, he's already in another state actually probably two of them <laughs> yeah I, I heard he was headed back north so uh yeah. man awesome awesome to get a couple of days with our boy what's the man yeah i wish i was out there with you guys hey so uh we got pete sitting in the queue showing up you know uh fashionably late but right. why don't we have that cool. quick commercial break come back and, and jump right into the meat of this thing what'd you say there? let's do it all right just that in the third Dive in. All right, man. 
We'll be back in uh, two shakes of a lamb's tail. If you're not signed up, get signed up now. Go. Aquaview, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick, every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I found that can withstand my hook set. Boom goes the dynamite. Some would say obsessed. There's no place on earth we'd rather be than right here, right now. Performance-driven gear, so you can fish longer, harder. Gills Performance Fishing. 2021 Red Crest Champion Dustin Connell here. And if you watch live coverage, we just got done at Lake Eufaula. I caught my fish using the active target with Lowrance. What you didn't see is I run a C-Clear power harness in my boat. One of the main advantages to running this harness is it does not drain my batteries down at all running my four units. And what that's gonna allow me to do is I'm able to see my bait at 8 a.m. just as good late in the day. Y'all check them out at cclearpower.com. You take pride in your boat, so it deserves the best protection possible. Our durable woven fabric prevents ripping and provides UV protection, and our tape seams provide protection against the elements. The heavy-duty shock cord hem and strap and buckle system provide a tight and secure fit. Our top-of-the-line boat covers come with a ventilation system to keep your boat free from mold buildup. Empire Covers, protecting what you love. And we are back, and now we are joined with our fearless leader, straight from the dean's office, and fresh, well, I shouldn't say fresh off, fresh on a three-tournament role that is quite crazy if you really think about it, but uh, Pete Lusek joining us from the dean's office. It's good to have you, boss. Hey, McJK. Appreciate you, you know, holding the reins while I, while I was away. Uh, nice job. It's good to be here. What's up, boys, at, at the uh, in studio? Wish I was hanging out with you guys. Hope you guys are doing good. You. We're doing fantastic, Pete. Outstanding. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. Man, we've had an outstanding couple of days, man. It's like, uh, JK, uh, the shoot we had was amazing. We were out with Lee Livesey and Caleb, uh, who's in studio. What a... What, what a terrific Bash University seminar shoot we had last couple of days, guys, at home. You, you're going to want to uh, check some of this stuff out because it, uh, it, was, it was some pretty amazing stuff, JK. Man, I, I'm so excited. I got, I got pictures. I got videos. I got texts <laughs> from you and Riz. And, 
you know, I was excited going into it, but knowing that we nailed it and we've got six new seminars coming to you to Bass TV with two guys who just are on top of the bass fishing universe right now with Lee and Caleb. It's, it's very exciting. Very exciting. Nothing was more exciting than Caleb today. Jack and that punching fish. Um, just, just, Caleb, you made Ike look calm. <laughs> Dude, I was fired up, man. <laughs> I told you it was about to go down. And, uh, so I had, I had talked up a big storm of what could have been. So it was really nice to see it come together because I was having doubts too, but a little bit. But you know, I was talking to big game and I'm like, man, I'm feeling it. You know, I, and when I got that bike, got in the boat, I was fired up. Man, I, I, I was, you know, we, me and Riz are sitting there watching this go down. And we're trying to keep quiet, right? Because we don't want to step on the audio. Yeah, I know. I'm like, why nobody talking to me? Like, we were like trying to high five everybody. And you're, they're like, nope, you got to do your thing. You're like, I was trying to be, you know, kind of forgot where I was for a second. Didn't know what to do with my hands type of thing. <laughs> I get excited when I catch five pounders in the mat. I bet. Dude, we, we got excited. Rich is like stomping his feet, trying trying to contain himself. And oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going nuts, and you're looking at us like, "Why are they being so weird?" Right, right. <laughs> but it, but it was awesome, man. You uh, you stuck that fish, man. Five pounder come flying up out of the mat, and and gets swung in the boat, man. That's uh, you, you you're excited, man. It was contagious. It was uh, it was really cool. And it was great to spend the day with you. I mean, you could see like, um, you know, I've been around a lot of guys that you know, teaching and, and training stuff. And man, when you started talking about punching mats, you found a whole new gear, man. You hit a level. <laughs> I did. Was, I did. I appreciate you know, that, Pete. Yeah. Th this is your deal, man. This is where you love to be. That's punching right. Mats. <laughs> That's well, right. You, you did it your way and it was pretty cool. Uh, and, I, um, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see it. I know Pete, you and I talked about this a little earlier on a phone call after, you left the bay, but man, you know, we've seen Caleb quite a bit on Bassmaster Live, and that's that's all earned and to his credit. You know, I think he finished seventh or sixth in the in the standings this year. So he had the camera on him a lot, you know, a lot of different places. Yep. And one thing I picked up on Caleb Summerall, and we talked about this, is he has a aggressive hook set. <laughs> I mean punishes them. So I cannot wait to see just how how hard he tried to break his rod. I almost took out a couple people today. Let's just leave it at that. I don't know if Buck's going to put an emphasis on those replays, but I, I for sure almost took out Riz, uh, and I had some people on edge. I bet. Dude, <laughs> I can dude, there, there were one ounce and ounce and a half VMC weights coming flying. Oh, they were flying. <laughs> they was, it's powerful, man. It's it's an aggressive hook that you're exactly right, JK, and uh, – and you guys will all see it on Bashu TV. So, uh, Kel, what, we're going to be. What, Kel, what did you have? Uh, you, you and Lee had to have a little side bet going on, something, right? I don't know. I just knew that when he told me he didn't catch crap, I had to go catch him. You only had to get one. <laughs> I had that's what that's that, what that. The pressure, the, yeah, so the pressure was off. So yeah, that well, that's what that excitement was. Pete, he knew he had he had uh, trash talking rights right there on that first fight. <laughs> so. Man, that that's well, you know, Lee was awesome. And uh, we, we were making him try to catch fish in the condition that was incredibly tough to yeah. catch fish in. And, um, you know, but uh, Lee, honestly, Lee was uh, was terrific, uh, you know, teaching us about 
the way he fishes a frog. And um, one thing you guys are going to notice when you watch this video that that struck me is how short he trims uh, the legs on his on his hollow bellies. I mean, he he cuts them off, man, like down to an inch, you know, and my ears perked. Is this is this I, don't, I guess I shouldn't pull all the juice from it, but uh, is this like specific to mat fishing, Pete? Yes. No, you, you, uh, believe me, there's so much juice. You can, we can't even touch it on, on what we're going to talk about here, but it's, it, no, he, he trims them and he, um, in essence, creating a smaller profile bait because a frog, a hollow belly is already a big profile, you know? So he, he cuts it down to a, what, what seems like a manageable profile and, um, you know, just get, feels like he gets more, he still gets the big ones, but gets more of them and can walk the you know walk the dog so easily it skips uh mm. you can imagine without that drag uh you can skip that baby twice as far so um you know that's just one wow. of the one of the sweet little advantages of it one of the other things that kind of shocked me is is uh um a lot of talk about the smaller size you know the next size down hollow belly style really? yep it's it's wow. it's it's an important part of his arsenal and and he, he talks all about how he uses it when he uses it which which styles have the best hooks because when you go a lot of times you get to that little mini frog it's um you know the hooks are kind of teeny tiny on some of them but some of them have you know some meat grabbers so mm. um yeah neat neat stuff man but i tell yeah. you the coolest stuff is the is the mega live like uh btc you will never stop fishing the bridge pilings in the susquehanna river ever again after what we saw <laughs> is, is, is that right huh chasing chasing I mean, ghosts out there what's going on oh my god it was like uh i mean gdp i it was crazy the schools of bait and the bass bait. that were hiding around the bait. pilings and the the aprons and all of this massive population yeah. of fish that just live yeah. around each one of these pilings absolutely blew my mind. How about that? Yeah. Yep. Uh, hey, back to the frog thing real quick. I was yeah. just curious. Yeah, I was wondering how everybody trims their frog. So, so you said that, is that specific to Matt's what Lee was doing? Like just for that situation? Yeah, he, he was doing it when he was fishing on open. the, uh, in the skip, skipping under lay downs and open water cover up in the creek. Mm. Caleb? Uh, I, I trim my legs really short when it's specific to Matt fishing. Like, 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 uh, right, and, that, and, and, and I just, and I don't trim them much shorter or much longer when I'm not, I don't want to get, Are we I don't want to thread the needle here, you know? But. So, so we talking like uh, Patrick, Patrick Walter short, Tommy Biffle short. What are we talking about? Oh, no, he's most short. definitely talking about Tommy Biffle short. Oh, we're Biffles. We're Biffles. Oh, Biffle. Oh, Biffle yeah. short. All right, Greg. Well, I, it depends. I, I've been fishing a frog a little bit different lately. Okay. Um, I've been actually cutting the legs right to the actual where it comes out of the body. I've been cutting them right against that just to keep the water out. I don't pull them all the way out. But I've been popping the frog super hard and trying to, like, when you pull the legs off, it seems like it sits still a lot better when you pop it hard. Interesting. It's kind of weird. Very interesting. But I actually uh. had a pickerel, like, suck the legs out of it. And I started fishing it that way. And I started getting more bites that way. Interesting. It's just a weird way it happened. And I started cutting them right against it. Uh. But, yeah. 
It's just another okay. weird way of fishing something. Uh, no pants. Uh, but you can pop it hard, and it sits still with no legs because the, the legs, like, right. you know, would, would make it kind of do this. If there's yeah. nothing back here to do that, it's just... It's just going forward. What's it doing? Yeah, like <laughs> 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 That's the best way I can explain I know, it. I know, I know. <laughs> it's like a dance move. I don't know how. That's it right. Did it. Back with what's his name? Uh, Travolta. <laughs> Mike Centaur. Awesome. <laughs> That's a different <laughs> level. <laughs> gotcha. It, it's funny. I Dean. I think Dean was on the show saying that he doesn't mess with them at all. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he, he keeps them. He keeps them full length, as as manufactured. Um, how, how about you, I Pete really, and Justin? I, I, after watching Lee, I, I gotta say, man, I'm, I really like the, the strategy behind making that a slightly smaller profile. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just think you'll get more and, and they'll connect, be, you know, yeah. potentially connect better with it, you know, cause the targets, you know, right there, you know, they don't have that three, four inches of leg or whatever it is to miss yeah. Uh, so, so Greg goes Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, Lieutenant. Yeah, Lieutenant yeah. Dan. You could definitely oh, like right. good. Yeah, good analogy. You Sorry. can definitely skip it. Like I would say three, four <laughs> feet further. Like back in the stuff easily with right, no right. legs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a big difference. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing a lot to of versatility here because you know down here I I don't fish a lot of cheese like you guys. Um, you know I I gotta go I gotta travel to 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 do that kind of frogging you know, Seminole or Eufaula or Gunnersville, you know, somewhere three or four hours away. So I frog a lot, though, but it's a lot of target frogging. Open water frogging. Like yeah, and, and Riz, you got the session, you know, with me, you know, uh, when you traveled down here and fished together. You got We had a short frog session, but I was doing non, non-grass frogging, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the long legs – in that, that scenario, when you sit that frog still, that rubber never settles. Yeah. It just keeps rotating or, you know, it just never settles. And you can get them on kind of long pauses. But, you know, I've just, I've done the same thing when I've gone to the grass lakes. And it's making me think that I got to be more open to being more efficient. And, you know, obviously I'm hearing skipping better i'm hearing you know the right profile and and you're not you're not having any drag and having that fish you know misidentify the target and stuff i can see on, on the other side of that of- too is like you're talking the open water frog and that's where i really like to i trim one just a little bit but i also trim the other one halfway and i feel like that's where you get that really good open water walking the dog action agree right it's a lot right. easier if that's the action you're looking for with the walking mm-hmm. style frog like this pro 65 that's how I'll, I'll cut them you know um yeah like how you're talking like open water under laydowns under bushes around docks and stuff like that yeah well yeah and the longer the longer legs like if you were doing like the popping frog and you want to keep it in one place yep. longer for yep. the guard or something like that those longer legs like the old school ones, you still can maybe get some on eBay, but like the old school, old school ones had like the Spros have like the super long legs. Now they don't have have half the length on them when you get them out of the package. Right. But I've I like stocked up on some of those old ones for those kind of scenarios because yep. I just love those super long legs. But, efficiency. You said a big word, efficiency, and yeah. I, I heard Caleb say that. Ooh, uh, a lot. Every a lot. 
a lot, you know, high speed reels when you're flipping. Lee said it too, but man, Caleb, it's all about efficiency with you. Yep. You got to be efficient, man. You can't waste any time. Every second could be a possible five pounder in a tournament. Make you make or break your day, you know? No, no question. Uh, and that, that was, that was a big deal. What else I heard both you guys talk about was the, uh, the fermentation state of the cheese on the mat. Yep. <laughs> like our mats, our mats where we were fishing were, were new, right? These, these mats are beginning to canopy. So their cheese has not quite begun to ferment. <laughs> and, and, um, as such, you know, like the, the, when, when you get the cheese, the, the yellowish or the greenish colorations on top of a mat, what it does is it blocks the sunlight. It's algae of some kind. And I guess it blocks the sunlight and it creates that canopy creates it. Yeah. Yeah. Explain that a little bit, Caleb, you were talking about that a little bit today. So, you know, when the, when the grass is growing up and it's thick, you know, the stems actually have leaves on we're and we're, we're looking at giant massive hydrilla mats that's the main grass there and there's some other type of grass i'm not too sure what it is but you might know Greg. river grass it's just like a river grass yep. that was the main thing in play it was just kind of mixed in but the main mat was the hydrilla mats and all across the country everywhere we've ever been when that stuff just gets topped out you got about a three-week period depending on how it grows where that top of that mat gets really thick and those stems, all the leaves tend to die off. And what you get when that happens is you get bigger canopies, bigger openings under those mats. And that's those fish will hang out under there and brim will get up under those thick, thick mats and eat food and eat brush and bugs that fall through the cracks. And those bass will sit up under there and they can just come. You can throw a frog way back up on, on those cheese mats when, when the canopies open up and, those fish just have so much further to come to get a bait. They can, they just, the rooms are bigger is the way I think about it. The canopies are bigger. The, the holes are bigger where they can come and eat a frog or catch a punching bait. Um, that's when, that's when hydrilla mats really excel is really when they start to die off and cheese over and those stems start to die out. But you, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, we caught fish today. Um, but again, it goes into that efficiency category where it's like, Am I really showing all the fish here a bait? You know, so in a couple of weeks, we think that those areas are going to really like pop off. You know, you think you really catch a lot once those cheese mats really die off and, and make those big holes. I I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens. GDP, yep. have you? I can't believe the 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 grass out there. I've never seen the hydrilla out where out on the flats like like we saw today. I was going for two or three weeks. I come back and, and it, it's it's crazy out there, man. It's just uh, what, what do you think of that massive hydrilla explosion going on out there? Yeah, it seems like I would say the last four years have just been completely different out there. Every year being different. Uh, I actually went out there to a super hard edge. I haven't been out there in over a month, and I ran out to a super hard edge that usually never grows grass off this edge. And down inside the trough was full of grass, and I'm like, wow, that's different. So, yeah, it's definitely a different wow. kind of year. I mean, it's it's jam-packed, big time. I had to stop for one it, second and jam the motor up. I was like, damn. Really? Yeah, because I was like, wow, yeah. you know, normal way I always go out there. Hydrilla is king. Yep. Any other place we've ever seen that we've gone to that has mm. a fraction of hydrilla has always been a good fishery. Yep. I know the flats are a great fishery, but, yeah. dude, it's good to see hydrilla grow in places because I know a lot of, 
areas. It doesn't last long, you know. And or we does, we haven't had it for years. Like it's awesome. been it's been milfoil, that's eelgrass, awesome. aquatic, and then now it's been like a lot of hydrilla. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, dude. I love hydrilla. Yep. It's, it's life. Yeah, for you. I was telling Pete, that's exactly <laughs> what I was telling Pete today. Just hydrilla is life, dude. When you got hydrilla, you got big bass, dude. I don't yeah. care where you come from, where you've been. Yep. So that's exciting. This place is healthy for sure. That's right. Yep. And the Potomac is like had this kind of hydrilla like the go. last yep. few years. And um, I guess it's creeped its way up to the upper bay now uh, this year. But yeah, it's it's explosive out there. And who know who knows what it's gonna what it's gonna bring. Like you said, Caleb, I hope it just keeps making it better and better. Yeah. That's but, a good uh, too. You know, more places quite, to hide. You know, protect. Dude, them. that's what it does, dude. It yep. protects them all year long. Yep. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. it's easier to sustain fishing pressure, and you know, I guess it's because I really like the fish grass that you know I know I'm gonna not light the world on fire but i know that if a bunch of boats getting grass i feel like the fishing pressure in a certain area can hold up better with grass you know that's agree that's what i kind of feel about grass yeah areas and grass lakes yeah so all you guys that are subscribers from this area don't watch it because i don't want you out there punching on the other <laughs> <side>. <laughs> yeah, don't until it's dead don't, don't do that yeah yeah we'll let that one <laughs> where were we the delaware river yeah that's right yeah <laughs> yeah so I got a question though, guys. Since I've got two grass experts on the panel, while we wait for Pete, I don't know what happened. He might have lost uh, service. Yeah. 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 There he is. Hey. Yeah, hey. Pete. But the question, and I'm going to pose it to you guys and Pete included, because you're all grass experts, and this is me learning. Plus, I got a couple derbs with some hydrilla on the schedule later this fall. <laughs> hey, but Pete. Hi, Pete. You are uh, when you're looking for say, say you got a lot of cheese. Obviously, you will in the fall. So that that hydrilla things, it's happening where it's making the canopies and all that stuff. And we know hydrilla is pretty thick before it gets to that point. But where, what kind of sneaky stuff are you looking for? Like, are do you like to find stuff that's close to like deep water? Do you like like finding hydrilla mats that touch up to the bank? or mix with wood or i mean is there anything that like you're like looking for when you've got just so much you know to to choose from what helps you kind of narrow down you know where you're starting to try to find them in that hydrilla you want to go first or me to go go ahead so one thing that i have definitely experienced multiple times that uh you know a lot's been on the bay too but you know if i pull in there one thing you can tell about a mat is if it's alive or not alive uh, so many times I pull in, you hear nothing, and then you'll get to one small section here popping, you know, inside the map. You'll see stuff flickering on top. It always seems like wherever there's a live mat, there's always bass. Absolutely. So, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I'm sure Caleb's going to tell you any kind of channel swing that I've ever yep. been across with a mat against it, man, it's always been money. That's what I was going to go for. Like, any type of drain, point, broken mat, isolated mats, basically this. The same way you'd look at like a dock or a laydown, an isolated laydown, or one dominant laydown, one big laydown coming off a bank, it's the same way with mats. If you if you look at a big old mat field and you see one part of the mat that's like thicker than the rest or protrude protrude up further than the rest, or, that's going to be a key area. Yeah. Just anything mm-hmm. different uh, is key. I talked about it a lot today, um, talking about where two different grasses meet. Say with mm-hmm. uh, you know hydrilla meeting river grass or eelgrass meeting hydrilla that defined line of where those two grasses meet could equal oh, yeah. yeah definitely anything different your awesome. your uh 
you're, I think you're, you're dead on GDP uh, when you said it, because Caleb said it too. When we were, we were beginning to film, yep. we were, we were, uh, the boat was up on top of the mat, right? It was a great shot. We're going to talk mat fishing. We, we drove uh, Riz's bass cat right up on the mat and uh, Caleb's like jumping out of his skin the whole time. He's like, look at the bait. Look at the, you know, hear, can you hear those fish? I'm like, oh my yeah, God, that's right. Bass. Yep. <laughs> it's noise noises is got to be your first uh it, it if there's life there there's going to be predators there completely agree and uh and the other thing to, to that i always look for is just like you're talking about is the is the canopy you know uh, a lot of times the hydrilla grows so dense and tight and it's young and it's fresh and yep. and there's really not a lot of canopy and a lot of times you can identify that canopy by by the yellow cheese or the green, you know, moss that's growing on top that, you know, where you see the healthy grass laying over. And then beyond that is where that cheese starts. Yep. And that's where the canopy is. That's where they have more of an ambush opportunity. And, um, you know, you add that with some bluegills popping. Right. Man, you can't Today. miss with yeah. all <laughs> yeah that's some great answers I, I i did not think that the biggest synchronization among y'all's answers would be noise life you know life and and that speaks volumes um don't 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 make it too too hard on yourself they'll tell you yeah. where, where to yeah. so one more question real quick i, I know we got to talk some other stuff but I, i'm geeking out right now because i got three experts so frogs punching what else? What else? How can you catch them any other way? Chatterbait, swim jig, stick bait. We're talking about grass. I'm talking about mats. Mats. Like hydrilla hydrilla yeah. mats. That's that's gonna be your one. That's gonna be my one-two punch. Same here for so, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe a variation of baits and weights and sizes if you exactly. can mix it up. Seriously, dude. I, I, yeah. You yeah. can you can fish away from the boat with the frog. Over the mats that you can't flip because you're flipping, you know, kind of in this one little area by your boat. But that, that's, if I'm attacking cheese and mats, that's my one-two punch. I know, I know, Greg's the same yeah. way. Yep. I don't, yeah, I don't I'm really saying, know the I'm, other, you know, efficient way to really yeah. get through it and fish it properly besides besides them too. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I like to throw a DT twenty. Yeah. <laughs> Dredging it, but make you a big hole. That's right. <laughs> But but yeah, you know I'm you, you challenged me with that question, J.K. Because I'm 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 considering that option, and and you know I went back through you know there, there's really no other way. No, yep. you know you either got to get them to come up blowing through it, or you got to go in after them. I can I can give you one example of one time uh, you know I did something that made a difference. So one time I was out there, and I, I was getting through the mats but I still wasn't getting the bites. And I went down on the weight, but I actually put like a five-inch Sanko and flipped that. And it seemed to make a difference one day where I really caught them really good. So it, it gave me less weight, but the Sanko allowed me to go through easier. So I kind of mixed up them two together, and it kind of mm. made a difference. Yeah. The one day, you know, that I was actually doing it. It was on the bay, too. So, so I never really talked about that today, but I, I'll talk on it right now if you want. I, I've experienced that same yep. scenario you're talking about. Um, Pete, you might be familiar with the bait. You know uh, missile baits, missile crawl? Sure. It's just, you know, it's a slender profile yep. bait. It does nothing. Yep. But it's almost like Same a, scenario. Yeah, yeah. But yep. it's just, yep. it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a good punching bait. I didn't have any on me today, but I've seen it before where a normal size D-bomb or a five-inch creature bait yep. 
too much. It's too much. Yep. That's the best way I can explain it. So I went, I went to that missile crawl, and dude, this bait does nothing. It literally, your bait goes through the mat 100 miles an hour. It's the same weight. It's the same ounce and a quarter weight. It sped my bait up, and it didn't flap, doesn't do nothing, no action. And, dude, I started wrecking them. I believe it. This, I just knew there was fish there, and I just couldn't believe why I wasn't getting bit. This was in Venice, Louisiana. I was actually – I know there's just millions of fish down there, and uh, there was just isolated mats. And I just knew there was fish there, but the bait profile didn't fit what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So I went mm-hmm. to something that was really slender and super fast, and just my flips were just r- like a mile a minute, and they were just jumping on it, dude. I, I went to catch like 100 fish that day after I figured that one little deal out. I'll never forget it. That, that's Well, that's key. See, back, you know, in the 1600s when I started punching <laughs> Matt. Back in the 50s. What did uh, he say? He, he <laughs> was cable back then, no brain. <laughs> <laughs> this is – I don't know if you guys remember the uh, the, the Florida the Florida screw lock. Uh, oh, yeah. Wait. Gambler. Gambler, Yeah. We had, they were made of lead. They were, you know, an ounce weight was, you know, as big as my engine on my boat, you know, yeah. huge. <laughs> and, 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 you know, what I, I learned it in Florida, right? I'm trying to punch in Florida for the first time. And, and I'm, I, I was catching a lot of fish back then. The lizard was a king, king shape to be throwing. And an eight inch lizard is something you want to throw a big bait in Florida. So I got a big lizard with a one ounce Florida screw lock lead weight. And and I'm trying to get it through the mat. And every arm of the lizard is grabbing onto that hydrilla and the tail, and it just won't let the bait go through. But when you could get it through, it would take you 20 flips, but you could finally get one through and you would get the bite. And uh, what happened was the beaver style baits came out, which were smaller in profile, no appendages to grab go right through yeah. boom, they go they go right through and you were 10 times as efficient yeah. back to mm-hmm. efficiency and um and and i've seen uh that a lot i've done it like if you're flipping a bait and you're having a hard time you can pull the appendages off yep. to yeah. to to help it through and you can put you know scent a lot of the scents are oil-based and it'll help it slip through yep, uh and, and stick basically great choice too just to to help you get through because i saw you today caleb uh as heavy as that you were punching an ounce and a half yep and and um you know throwing the d-bomb and you couldn't at times you couldn't get that bait through with an ounce and a half weight that's That's how thick the mat was wow yeah fun fun fact about that that bait that missile bait that was actually uh designed with uh shannon wheeler in mind because of how little it does <laughs> shannon works at missile baits and doesn't do a whole well, lot so they came up with that bait they were gonna call it shannon you know and then that didn't make any sense and then like wheeler but there's our other wheelers so they called it whatever what they call it which one we're talking about? The, the D-bomb. The D-bomb? No, no, the, the punch base that doesn't do anything. Uh, the missile cross. Yeah. <laughs> now I get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it took me a second, too. Sorry. Hello, I don't Shannon. know the guy. Uh, my only follow-up is, because that's why I posed the question, because that's what everybody does. Everybody's frogging or punching, you yeah. know? And here's some of these other things kind of give you, you know, it opens up the tool chest of creativity. The only thing I'm going to ask is because it's been out 
for a few years now, it has yet to win in that way. And it's kind of like there's been this transition to it being more of a offshore structure uh, s- scenario. But I want to bring it back to punching um, is the Tokyo rig. Cause I, I, I want to try it because mm. I don't know if a lot of people are doing it or not. Have, has it had any three of you guys tried a Tokyo I, rig? I that, haven't on that fishing. No, I have not. I haven't. I've actually heard of a couple anglers that, that told me that it's really good for hydrilla. Um, I can't bring myself to do it. Yeah. I, I have way too much confidence flipping a, an ounce and a half on top of a bait like conventional style. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to get bored or I'm, I'm going to mess around with it. And I, I believe Fighter does it on deep milfoil. I believe it. I, I think he throws, he throws it on like little bitty rock piles inside milfoil and stuff like that. Yeah. That's not all he does. He teaches on Bash U about how he uses it on the mats. And he he says that, uh, he said it here on the live show, that he can get uh, penetration with like almost half the weight. Really? Using the Tokyo rig. Yeah. Uh, that was an interview at ICAST one year. You, you can find yeah. it on Bash TV. And well, he yeah. said, I guess I'm going to have to give that a try. Like, right? If you don't. You need a one ounce for a Texas rig. He could get a half ounce. Too, Interesting, right? Pete? Yep, that's that's what he said. And and honestly, I don't get to to do it that much, so I haven't had a chance to do it. But now we have a playground in our backyard. You know, that's that's going to be continued to Matt. It's going to it's going to aggressively you know cheese up and do all the things that Matt's do as the summer progresses. So I, I've got a playground out there this year. Pete's playground. So I, I don't. I don't know what I'm going to find out. <laughs> well, what, what do you, what, you're a king of the one-liners. It's all easier said than done. Yeah. So uh, to kind of transition us here, you know, Pete, you're, we're talking about punching. You got a, you had a great Toyota series finish punching uh, last year, I believe. And uh, man, you've really just picked the flipping stick up for three solid finishes. We were talking about two last week and now you put up another. And I believe you had the flipping stick in your hand, not punching, but flipping. And uh, let's talk about it, guys. You and Greg both fished Oneida. It looked like it was a brutally tough Oneida, tougher than we've ever seen it. Um, you guys been there a lot. But, uh, yeah, I just want to hear about it, guys. Well, to me, Oneida is always brutally tough. So I, I know Greg has enjoyed some, some wonderful success and, and fishing days out there, but it's always been a, a monster, a bear for me to wrestle. And, um, so I was glad, I was glad to, to get it going my way, but I, I, you know, actually, I don't think I even talked about this on the show, but on, on Champlain and the, uh, um, on the Toyota series, I actually punched Matt. I was, I remind I remember today watching Caleb, but I caught a back-to-back cast four and a five pounder out of a mat mm. on uh, on Champlain that consisted of float dead floating eelgrass, or not really dead, it's still green, but it was floating eelgrass mat amongst a bunch of floating you know branches and stuff. Uh, wow. You know, so I that's you know mat fishing even played a role there. But picking up the flipping stick, and that's what I did at Oneida. I was. Um, I I'd figured out uh, some areas where I I could flip, and there were smallmouth and largemouth mixed together, and I never knew which one I was going to get. And um, but you know, C- Caleb, you talked about this today. What's that? Is 
the flipping the flipping strategy of you know five to seven bites a day yep. the, the the mental approach to that you talked about a lot today and that's what i did at oneida was recognize man it, the, be, the best i'm gonna do is like eight bites right um and uh it requires a lot of mental fortitude to 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 go two hours without a bite man I bet it does, especially when you room with a guy who's telling you he's getting 30 to 40 bites in practice. <laughs> Dude, I can't, has Mike ever had a bad day of practice? Dude, I don't know. God almighty. There's nothing, there's nothing demoralizing than, than you come in after you've, you know, you suffered all day, you you know, got three bites and Mike's talking about how many schools of 50 small mountains <laughs> down there, three pounds or better. <laughs> right. It's like groups. Yeah. Yeah. Groups. He's, he's figuring out, well, these were only two and a half pounders. These were three and a half. You know, I saw some fours in this school, so it wasn't a bad day. You know, I mean, it's uh it's crazy. And congratulations to Mike, man. What, what a, unbelievable his consistency on lake oneida i've never seen anything like it i mean it's just automatic top 10 every single time he goes there catching a million bass but um i'll be honest i was tickled to death greg i want tell me you among other people say lake oneida is a good lake i don't believe it. <laughs> well, it's definitely <laughs> a good lake i mean you know for me it's funny how you said you just caught your fish too pete because so for me in practice i saw you every day you know I was getting I was getting quality bites. They just weren't everywheres. Um, but in practice, obviously drop shotting them. But I was getting a lot on top in practice. Um, no kidding. Yeah, on top wow. of her. I was waiting for that derby. So the first day of the event was supposed to be like three mile an hour. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna crush them, you know. But it just it blew out of the east like twenty. Did it, dude? Oh, it was dude. it was disgusting. So obviously all the stuff I was doing, you know, went to the wayside, and I picked up a punching rig, and that's how I caught them all. Really? Yep. I, just, grass? I went. I just went and found some milfoil that had some mix of hydrilla, and I just started punching. No joke. Yep. So that's how I caught them all in the tournament. You caught some smallmouth doing that. All, all smallmouth. No, really? I caught one largemouth that was tiny, but all the rest were smallmouth. I bet you they knocked the snot out of oh, it. Oh, dude, it was like you hit them, and it didn't even move. And I'm like, oh my oh, goodness. Oh yeah, I love that. It was yeah. fun. But you know, I had, I had no areas. I just, I was putting it together in the tournament trying to figure out where to do more and more of this at, and I just couldn't find the same thing over and over. I'm with you on that. You know. Mm-hmm. But. I, same, Greg. Honestly, uh, I, I found a couple areas that I could get bit in, but uh, I, you know, I use the the strategy uh, of don't take practice out of your tournament. Like in other words, I just kept practicing. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have enough water or, or areas that just to hold me, so I just had to keep looking and yep. looking and looking. And I just want to give a shout out to John Soku because he said that winner of a couple bf or npfls this year and um the uh you know that's what i that's what i kept doing is just practicing 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 but the smallmouth were it's so awesome flipping for smallmouth in the grass mm. it, it's it's such it a cool deal they're such a powerful Cut animal and champlain doing it it's fun yeah and greg hackney guys go yep. watch this if you fish uh for smallmouth you got grass in your lake Greg Hackney gives a seminar about flipping for smallmouth on Bashy TV. Yep. It's a must watch if you're ever going to Lake Oneida <laughs> or uh, 
or lakes like it. But uh, but the, yeah, that's that's man, that's what I did. I picked up a half ounce, three quarter ounce, and uh, and I just put that locked that flipping stick in my hand, and I had uh, seven bites on day one or eight bites on day one. I think I had six or seven on day two, and and uh, I I drove wow. fast. And far away from Lake Oneida as I could. <laughs> 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 uh, no, but that was good. That was that was a fun time. I, I enjoyed it, and uh, you know we got we got a lot of tournaments coming up. Man, we got, we're going to Thousand Islands with the Toyota Series or Messina, and uh, and the Opens are. Uh, I haven't I haven't fished the big water on Lake Ontario since uh the 9-11 attacks oh wow that's wow. Almost, that's 20 years ago i couldn't believe it like but i was practicing for an open on thousand islands and it was the weirdest sensation i, I ever like all of a sudden there was like no boats on the water no pleasure boats no bass boats i was out there seemingly by myself and it was eerie and um i got in and uh, the first thing I do is, you know, get on my phone or and call in to see, uh, you know, talk to talk to my people. And and I just got messages that are, were just like crazy, like, oh, my God, I can't believe what happened. Call me. You know, this is such, such terrible. Call me. And nobody told me what had happened. And um, I just got message after message. But as it turned out, it was the 9-11 attacks and the, t- the tournament got canceled. And um you know, rightfully so. And, uh, you know, that, that was, wow, that was the last time I was out on Lake Ontario. But since then, um, the gobies have come and the bass have gotten absolutely massive. And, um, it looks like they're going to potentially let us fish in Canada. Um, could be in that tournament in September. Should be good. They're all out. Hey, Pete, we got a question pertaining to Oneida. This this one comes through the message board from Mike I. It says, Pete, what percent of your success do you attribute to staying in the house with Ike and Brian Schmidt and John McGraw? <laughs> Dude. Who's that, that guy? Was great. It, was a, it was the Bass University house, and it, it was it was awesome. And and the, the crazy thing is I did really, really good in the tournament but I only finished third place in my own house. <laughs> <laughs> Better than last. Dude, talk about, talk about a tough field. The house was the toughest field in the whole tournament. Hey man, but uh, you got to roll. You got to roll with people that challenge you to be better. That's a fact. Yeah. Yep. That's a fact. Yep. That's a good, that's a, like serious. Yeah. yeah. No, serious. no, no doubt. Let, let me give, uh, let me give some, some credit like Ike, Brings the enthusiasm as hard as it is to hear when his awesome practice days, it's, you know, it's inspiring. It lets you, you know, it, it, it drives you and pushes you. And, uh, and that's awesome. And I, and, and Brian Schmidt surprised me. Like I, I knew Brian, uh, personally, he's done some, we've done some interviews with him, but man, he's just pure positivity yeah. to be around. And, um, and it was great. You know, he helped, you know, like I was kind of um, not sure about going out and just flipping at Oneida, just throwing everything away. That's what I'm doing. And and he t- he helped turn me around and just give get me in a really positive state of mind that Pete, this is it's been won that way before. It it's it it's a pattern that I was looking for and couldn't find. 
and, you know, just kind of really, you know, motivated me in a positive way. And uh, thanks, Brian. appreciate that. And, uh, you know, he was great. He was absolutely great. And McGraw, too. Our buddy John McGraw, he's been on the Ike Live show. Uh, he's terrific. And, and he's another guy's pure positivity. So that, that house is just full of positive energy. Man, if you, you know, if you can get that going, man, you're, you're going you're gonna to do well. You're going to do your best at every event. So uh, hopefully, we, hopefully we can get that group together again. Well, props to you now. For, uh, props to you for another top 15 finish because you called me cussing like Oneida after your practice. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you took that positivity and grinded it out, man. Some of the worst practices come in the form of best tournaments. Best tournaments. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I, I did. I called I called JK whining like a schoolgirl. <laughs> I, was, I was miserable. I mean, nothing was going right. Uh, I had to, I, I had to spend a morning at the service cruise getting some stuff done. And this was, this was great. I get, I spent the whole first half of the day waiting in line to, you know, get some stuff done. And, um, cause I'd been to Champlain for like two weeks. So I, I just needed some attention and, uh, I got it and I'm psyched. Everything's tip top. I'm going out <laughs> fishing. And then the, the line of thunderstorms comes, everybody's coming in. So I'm finally ready to fish, and the whole tournament is putting their boats on the trailer because <laughs> severe storms are coming through. So, um, you know, I had to wait. I had to wait those storms. I think that's when I called you, JK. I yeah. was like, this is crap. This lake stinks. I, you know, <laughs> I just I just want to go to Champlain or Cayuga. When that, when that storm came through, I caught 20 pounds like it was nothing. <laughs> After? Yep. Like during yep. Like it was coming in, I was starting on top water. There Everywhere. Yeah, dude, there was like two or three every oh, every cast. Oh my gosh. Ridiculous. Well, it has worked out, GDP. Once the storms <laughs> Not for once, me. The, once the storms passed, I put the boat in and uh that's where I, I decided I found the fish that I decided to fish mostly. I right as soon as that storm came through. Um I went out and I you know I'd worked so hard and I I was flipping and and I caught like two big smallmouth and a large mouth and shook off a couple in a relatively small time frame. Hmm. And I'm like, well, this is the best bite I've ever had on a night. So, uh, you know, this is where I'm going to, this is where I'm going to do my deal. But like yeah, it. that, that storm got them activated. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I know Pete, you, you made a decision cause you, you came in with like 13 pounds on day one and you, you had the fifth or sixth biggest bag of the, of the day two on day two, like almost 16 pounds. And the difference was was a decision you made to go to go do something on day two that you hadn't done, and I think that really leads us to you know what we're going to talk about the rest of the show. Um, I, I really want you to talk about what that decision was, and then maybe after that we can take some uh, I am uh, messages, you know, questions off the I am board. But um, I really want you to kind of give us that segue there. Well, I love this topic and guys listening, um, decisions are everything. This tournament mostly is between the years, uh, based on what I've seen after being in it so long. It's, uh, it's all about decisions. And on, um, on what happened to me on the second day was I was realizing that the smallmouth started to inhabit the grass and the flats where I was fishing later on in the day. 
so I kind of, I had to figure out um, what to do early. I wanted to, I felt like I, I wanted to try to get myself around some largemouth. So I started moving a little shallower, concentrating on some, some denser grass where the small mouth seemed to be in the little bit less dense grass. Mm. And, um, and I, you know, was just real fortunate. I, you know, I, I came up on a point, had a, you know, a, a, a high spot and a clump of grass on it. At, and I caught a 411 and a 44 and back to back casts. And um, it changed, changed Lake Oneida for me, you know, pretty much forever. But that, uh, that was a great start. It was a great call because, you know, pr- I continued to practice. I continued to fish water that I didn't, you know, look at it at, at, you know, the official practice. And, uh, and that's so key to do that. I think, you know, keeping like Mike always calls it fishing the moment. It's the same thing as fishing the moment. It's like, you know, you're continuing to search, you're continuing to develop and learn more about the body of water. But that decision right there is, is what helped me have a great finish. Um, and, you know, and every, every time I've had a great finish, it comes off the back of some good decisions. And, uh, and usually, you know, when you do poorly, you know, you're stuck on, uh, getting stuck in a rut, making some, some, some calls that, that get you going down the wrong path. But, you know, decision-making is tricky in this sport, man. I, Cause one of the things that's, and it's hard to understand, and I know GDP, and Caleb get this because they've been living in it, but sometimes you can make a really, really good decision, but it's still not the right decision or it doesn't turn out to be a good decision. And that's, that's, that's a hard thing about our sport, you know, to, to, to chew on. Uh, because sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta have a feel. Um, Ed Cowan, good friend of all of ours uh, on the show is, uh, you know, he said bass fishing is as much an art, as it is a science and that's where that comes to it's 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 almost artistic when you get caught in this rut of making really really good decisions that intuition uh and and it can go the other way too you can get caught in the slump the exact same way but the decisions are everything as far as i'm concerned i'll put an emphasis on that for you pete um so a big player for me this year has been like i, I don't i don't like Going to take away from making decisions, but also having confidence in your decisions. Mm-hmm. You had the, the, you, you trust in your ability to make that decision, but it doesn't play out for yeah. me as an angler. I had to learn that about myself is when I, I, I started to learn that, dude, you, you're making the right decisions. Your gut told you to do something. You made a decision. When you make that move, make that adjustment, make that change, fish it. Don't get, give it a chance. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and settle down, and in my a lot of my in my early year years, I would second guess myself, second guess my decisions, <laughs> and I, it it held me down from making decisions. So yeah. over time, I'm four years in now, I'm starting to learn that you know my gut tells me to do something. I pull that trigger, I run across the lake and start throwing top water or start doing something totally different. Give it a little while. Something told you to do it. Fish it with confidence, and nine times out of ten, it works out. And if it don't, mm-hmm. you, you you tried. You you had you dug mm-hmm. yourself out of a rut of sticking with something that wasn't working. You made a change, made a decision to go do something else or take a different approach. So confidence with those decisions is just as important. I want I want I wanted to add that because that's yeah. that's been a big player for me. Mm, that's awesome. 
Agreed. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny because Jordan Lee does that commercial you see played on, on the, you know, the elites all the time or, you know, where you make, you know, just fish. Yep. Don't look back. That's right. Uh, you know, don't, I don't, don't second guy. I forget what he says in that commercial, but I'm like, man, that's it. You know, you, when you make that call, whatever it is, you got to be all in. That's right. You know, you can't second guess, well, maybe I should go back or maybe I should have done this or, you know, and next thing you know, you're running around like crazy and you wind up nowhere. That's right. Uh, you know, make that call and go all in, you know, great, great stuff, Caleb. Yep, for sure. I agree. And then thanks to Brian again, because he helped me make my decision at Oneida, you know, because I was I was struggling with confidence. And can I really get the bites? Can I get that? I know it's going to be hard. Can I get five flipping bites in a day? You know, and, uh, you know, I needed a little uh, little and you never know where the help's going to come from. You know, yeah. sometimes it comes from a family member. Sometimes it comes from, you know, one of your competitors or one of the co-anglers. But yep. something gives you that little bump that little bump, that little jolt of confidence that, that takes you to the next level. So, uh, but confidence is king, JK. Mm-hmm. Man, that's awesome. Go ahead to the, what do you got, Brian? Say what? What do you have? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought you were cutting in there. Um, we got anything from the message board? I know we've been uh, keeping those guys quiet. Uh, I know Riz might have a few by now. Yeah, absolutely we do. Um, the first question that I'm going to go with here uh, is actually going to be from Jared Dyer. Uh, he's going to win himself a $25 Gills Gear gift card for this question. Um, and he wants to know, uh, why is it that sometimes the worst practices can turn into the best tournaments? What, like, what, what causes that? Who wants to go first? It don't matter. I can go. Get it. I, I think the reason that is is because, man, whatever you did in practice, a lot of times you already weaved all the bad out. So you make a you know a different decision the next day in the tournament, whatever it is, and man, it's the right decision. Exactly. You know, and it clicks, and then you just put it all together from there. You got all the suck out of the way. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Like that. <laughs> you burned the bad. I, I like to think of it as, um, you know, when you do have a great practice, it's easier. I'm not saying you do it every time, but for me, I get stuck in a rut. I get my confidence is through the roof. When I show up till night, I start catching them on a frog. I'm just throwing that out there. And I get 30 bites a day for three days. Boom, weather changes. I still want to throw the frog because my, my yeah. confidence is through the roof. So I feel like uh, mm. when you have that bad practice, we actually talked about this on Act Live the other night. When you have that bad practice, you have an open mind. You've got a clean slate. You're still trying to figure it out. And when you do, if you do figure it out, it's during the tournament, mm -hmm. and you're not, and you're putting them in the box. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, you get to stick all of them. It get to I stick mean, get all to of them. them. So it's, <laughs> it's that clean slate entering into the tournament. You know, I would say so too. You know, at our level, like if you watch any of the guys that have a bad day one, generally nine times out of ten, day two is big for them. Yep, it's because they yep. make that adjustment. Yeah, you know? you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know. How many a, practice days we've we had where I, I tend to do this a lot, like. I'm a type of guy where I don't have any real preconceived notions when I enter practice. I know about mm -hmm. the areas that I want to break down, but yep. I don't have a a 20 waypoint game plan in yep. practice. But dude, you mm -hmm. just show up and practice, and it's like you catch them, and it's like, gosh, this place is going to be a slugfest. Yep. Then it'll get tougher, but it's like, man, I just showed up and tried something, yep. and I made it work for a little while. There's there's no reason you can't do that in the tournament. So, uh, yeah, yeah, dude, just keeping that clean slate and. Yeah. 
and attacking yep. that body of water constantly. Especially for a multi-day tournament yep. scenario. I mean, you have to fish that way. Anybody that's won, you know, has won on stuff they never fished probably. Exactly. You know? Yep. It's real-time information, man. I like that. It's like what you're finding out is real-time when you're yep. when that's happening. But here, here's here's one of the biggest mental hurdles to overcome uh, after having a good practice. You, this is hard. You, 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 you know, two days before the tournament starts, you, you got them dialed. And, and in particular, if you have a spot and you show up there on Derby day and it's crickets, yeah. you know, it's like, it's all gone. Right. They, and, and that is the hardest thing in the world to overcome. And, and, uh, and I think that's why good practices can bury guys. Yeah, totally. Because Hard yeah, to they, yeah, you show well. You got to get over the emotional letdown. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> you're because all night you were dreaming about. Well, am I going to call four pounders or am I going to leave? You know. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> and you show up and and it's just nothing. The bait's gone. The bass are gone. Where did? All right. Where did they move to? Is it a bait adjustment? Is you know. So you, you start going down the, this horrible process that's impossible to overcome. So, so yeah, crummy practice eliminates that, right? So you're, you're going out with optimism. You're going out looking, trying something new. What you, what you did didn't work. So, you know, you're looking for new opportunities. And, uh, and man, and you're finding the information in real time. Like you said, the bites that you get today are, are you know, are magic. And they're going to steer you in a direction of, of the developing pattern that we yeah. talk about a lot at Bash U, you know, what's, what's moving forward, what's happening now. So uh, I think that's a, a lot to do with it. And I think, uh, another good, boy, that, I think another good point too, is you, you tend to fall back on your confidence, your strong suits, you know, you tend to fall yeah. back on the flipping. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I know, I know I'm going to go for six or seven bites flipping today. Guess what, Bubba? I know I'm not going to pick up a top water and catch a hundred. So flipping it is. And right. you fall back into that grinding mindset. Mindset. I'm gonna stick with my confidence, and you roll with that. And you, you tend to do good. So that helped. That's another side of that coin, I think, too. I yeah. agree. Yeah, great point. Great point, Caleb. Riz, what else you got? Yeah, Pete. Uh, also coming in on the message board from our guys. Um, also, Pete. <laughs> Yeah, AP, also Pete. Mike O wants to know, uh, do you guys always use the same bait that you found um, while fishing in practice? Like, if you're if you're catching fish in practice or shaking fish in practice, do you go back down those same areas with the exact same bait, or do you make small adjustments to your bait presentation on tournament day? I most definitely do. If I get bit on it in practice, it's going to be one that I'm starting with in the tournament. Um, I'll let water clarity if the water clarity changed or the cat i talked about the clouds and contrast sky contrast a lot today um determine if i'm going to make a change to a white chatterbait versus a black and blue chatterbait or a green pumpkin chatterbait but if i got bit in practice typically on a green pumpkin chatterbait i'm going to start off with a green yeah. pumpkin so chatterbait. what if so here's an here's an example what if you're as you're going down you know you're fishing in practice it's sunny and you're getting bit on a on a white chatterbait. Right. You get out first morning morning of the tournament, but it's overcast and raining. Rolling waves through there. I'm pick up a spinnerbait. I'm gonna adjust. I'm gonna adjust to fish the conditions, but no, I know that the fish probably is still there. I'm gonna fish for those fish that are still in that area. Right. Um, 
you know, that I'll adjust my bait to the conditions is kind of how I like to approach it. I, I think I think for flipping, you know, and punching and stuff, I think you can keep it pretty simple. Yeah, you I know, think you, can too. you can go black, blues, green pumpkins, and you know, variations between like profiles. Yeah, profiles or green pumpkin dotted tips, chartreuse. Yep. You know, just mix it up tiny. You don't have to do a lot. It's either one or the other. Right, right. Most of the time, I would say, right. Yep, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Totally. So you know, normally, and like you said, you know, maybe you can change uh, variations between. The actual same bait in different sizes. Right. You know, you can go to a, for him to be a D bomb or baby D bomb. You know, That's you right. can make a difference. Um, but I think it's pretty simple for the most part. Or they could just move it or not there, and you got to start over again. You got to start over. <laughs> you got to get back in the search. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I I can tell you, I look at the weather patterns, and I anticipate. I try to anticipate change because I try to avoid the pitfall of that that you know devastation that. Oh man, they're not they're not hitting the jig anymore, you know. So I you try to take yourself through that cycle of okay, well, it's cloudy at practice, you know. They're biting a jig, maybe they're they'll bite a stick bait. Uh, so I'll rig that, you know. God forbid I'll rig a drop shot too, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know you prepared you prepared to to cycle through in case something changes. Uh, fishing pressure is a big one. Yes. You know, because yes. at 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 pra- especially like Oneida is one, man, those fish are really susceptible to fishing pressure, and um and they'll change they'll they'll change from being aggressive to really having to beg them to bite. So, um yeah, you, the, to answer your question, Mike, oh yeah, I'll I'll come rolling just like uh, Caleb does with the baits that I caught him at practice, but I guarantee you I'll have on the deck like two or three adjustments. Yes, uh, ready, sure. ready to roll, you know, if need be, but great question. I got to follow What's up to waiting, that. Rich? I got to follow up to that guys. This is for everybody here. So for example, I, I would imagine Oneida is a lot similar weather pattern wise as Champlain is where you have everything in the same day. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's dead flat and calm. It's overcast. Totally. It's cloudy. There's thunder There's snow. Weather brews there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everything happens in the same day. Do you summertime do you, thunder snow? Yeah. <laughs> so, so are, do you constantly adjust as as that weather changes on the hour? For smallmouth, I would say one hundred and ten percent. You have to definitely large mouth are a little bit easier, right? And, and we talk about adjustments in color, or, or take, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, baits and, and and things like that going to affect whether you're throwing top water or or the godforsaken drop shot. Pete's, Pete's drop shot. You know, I would, I would, let me just tap on this real quick. So with largemouth, generally when the sun gets higher, the flipping bite gets better. That's right. When the sun gets higher and it calms out, the smallmouth top of their bite gets better. Right. So you got to be willing to just literally drop one of them rods and pick up something totally different that's on the spectrum. Right. Totally. Because, I mean, that's literally going to separate you nine times out of ten at least. One big yeah. one, two big ones. Yes. Might it, figure out the deal, yep. fish out your rest of your tournament on that new deal. Yep. And I, I think what we're kind of getting at here is, People are getting, and, and even us too, we get stuck in our ways so many times from what we saw an hour ago, you know, and if we would have picked it up 10 minutes before we thought about doing it, it would have really changed our totally. day. You know, so you just, I know it's hard. You just can't get stuck in your ways, and we all still do it, every one of us. But whoever can adjust the fastest usually comes out on top. I'll give you the perfect case scenario. I talked about it today, a little while on the boat. Um, you know, Gunnersville this year. Mm-hmm. In practice, we had three days of overcast, clouds, and a little bit of wind, but it was it was just gloomy days. Mm-hmm. Three straight days of just gloomy days, it felt like, in practice. 
and I was getting 30 to 40 open water frog bites a day. Mm. I'm talking mm. literally just shaking them off, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm just – it's going to be a repeat of 2018 or 19 when I finished fourth punching. But I wasn't getting many punching bites, but the conditions didn't set up for the punching mats. But I was throwing the frog on the edge of the mats and still getting the fish to blow up. They were around the mats. Day one of the tournament, I knew the areas that had fish. But the mm. weather had completely 180 to bluebird skies, almost a front passed through wow. with like yeah, yeah. 20 miles an hour wind out the north and just clear bluebird sky, not frogging conditions. And then the first three or four fish that I have my he hit my frog, dude, they do not, they don't even get it. They had one blow up that far behind mm. it. <laughs> so you know when you're frog fishing that if it's like gone, yep. you're throwing the right thing. But if they don't want it, they're not on it. Yep. So I, I and this was a learning lesson for me. This was I was so dialed into that bite that I stuck with it, dude. At mm. noon, I had one fish. I saw you that day. You come through that bridge. And I told you, you said, how'd you got? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I had yeah. just caught, I made an adjustment, started flipping, and just got a donk, like mm-hmm. seven and a half pounder. Completely turned oh. my tournament around, but I hadn't flipped much that day at all. But I was I was forcing that frog deal so bad. And uh, finally, it took to about noon, picked up the flipping stick, caught a seven and a half, caught two more two and a half pounders, and only weighed in four that day, which hurt me. Ended mm-hmm. up costing me a cut. I tied for the cut line. You were the first guy out, weren't you? First guy out due to a tiebreaker. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. So th- th- this is a good question because it still happens to the best of us, yeah. dude. It really does. You get so – when you have that good practice, I knew where the fish were. I knew the area. I, I knew where they were. I just didn't make the correct adjustment to catch them. And uh, I paid for it. An ultimate loss uh, – important lesson learned yeah no doubt yeah btc i love that question because i think there's room for both and you kind of got to know and 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 i and i don't mean both like what the caleb scenario but i hear that small mouth large mouth thing i fished up in oneida before but like i'm a fish the moment guy right co-angler you know co-angler so much co-angler experience has allowed me to uh, not be scared to put something down immediately that I just wrecked 15 pounds on because a condition change. Like I am not scared to do that, but other guys are wired differently, but I love, I love it because, you know, Pete's in a big tournament. Dude, you, I don't think you laid that flipping stick down much at all, even with maybe some changing conditions and stuff, but it was the math, right? It was the, quality of bites that you were going after and you didn't even as a matter of fact i don't think you identified any horizontal presentations at all that you were getting bit on at all no i didn't but i can tell you this during the tournament uh as the weather changed as we got the the what did you call it sun snow btc or thunder snow <laughs> thunder thunder, <laughs> thunder snow, snow. <laughs> <laughs> but we we got the thunder snow. I, I did, man. I, I had uh, I had all types of baits that I would cycle through, and uh, but I just you know I would cycle through quick and and put them down and get back get back to it. But I I constantly you know when that weather changes and and GDP, you're right with largemouth. It's not as dramatic mm-hmm. with smallmouth. Oh my God, it's it's like me. yeah. Man, when when weather changes, there is a change in the bite. Yep. It's going to happen, guaranteed. 
They'll go from a drop shot to a jerk bait to a swim bait to a top water yeah. and back again yeah. in like inside of an hour. Yesterday. I mean, wow. it happens so fast. So you have to cycle through and you got to recognize that's number one. BTC is, is recognized. Wait a minute. It was five miles an hour. Now it's 12. It's blowing. Yeah. There's something and, and they're not hitting the drop shot anymore. They're not hitting that bait. They, they are suspended. They, they've changed and you got to make that change the same way when it goes reverse, like when it goes from windy to calm or, or the sun pops out from a cloudy day, you got to recognize that. Uh, especially on those brown fish, but the grid did green fish are the same, but they're just a little bit more durable, a little bit more dependable on the, on the bites you get from them. But, but, the, but the change needs to be made there too. No doubt about it. Pete, but, um, they're always hitting the drop shot, but, uh, <laughs> sort of along these lines. And, and I'd like to hear, um, Caleb and, and Greg's opinion on this. Uh, we had a local guy, in studio just not too long ago, uh, Bob Soley. Greg, you know Bob. Yep. Caleb, I'm sure you don't. But Bob's, Bob's old school dude. He's fished the Classic a few times. He's pretty legit. Um, and he made a comment about uh, – we were talking grass fishing, and, he, and he, his, his comment was color is more important in grass than pretty much anything else. You know, like individual fishing, individual isolated targets where color – you know isn't as important. I just wondered if you guys had an opinion on that. Tune into Bash University today's episode once it's edited. What? <laughs> How about that, buddy? Okay. <laughs> Subscribe, guys. Subscribe now. Uh, so you guys got into that? <laughs> we got into that deep. So you have an opinion mm -hmm. on that? I have a very strong opinion. Right on. Okay. But it's a simple opinion. I'll give you that. Okay. It's normally black and blue or green pumpkin around grass for me, bro. Yeah. And on the, the oddball chances there's a shad's ball going on, it's going to be white. Yeah. That's it. I don't get hidden. I don't get tied into flake. I don't get tied into – I don't like it. Like So I had, I do have a funny story. So I, was, I got a bite today on black and blue. Black and blue D-bomb um, had one – I pulled up the pack for me that was way brighter than the other. It was just – it was a different color D-bomb. I was like, whoop, that's way too bright. Didn't like that contrast different. You no, know, I wanted that bruiser flash, that half black, half blue. Yeah. This one was almost a sapphire blue D-bomb. So, like, yeah, I'm picky when it comes to stuff like that, you know. But mm. keep it simple, dude. Black, black blue, green pumpkin, and white. Right I, th on. I think I think what, you know, from what I can gather from the solely thing, you know, I think, I think where the – there's been times in clean water where black blue has been really good for me because, yep. like, if you ever notice where – Sometimes you'll get in a certain body of water, especially up north, man. The bluegill or the or they're super dark, dark and they're blue, mm -hmm. you know. Right. And I think that this is where these scenarios come in. It all comes into the gamut of paying attention to what your surroundings are too, like what you're seeing. You know, a lot of times when you're in grass and you're flipping, a lot of times the water's clean, it's clear. Exactly. You know, it's filtered out, so you can see the bait that's around. And green pumpkin or black blue usually matches almost everything out there. Everything. You know, yeah. so they're like I said, you know, I, I mean, think most guys are going to agree they're the colors. Yeah, I mean, Pete, we yeah. can kind of speak to this like firsthand. And we, we talked about this a few weeks ago about on the bay, how for the last couple of years, we've had one color in the stupid Senko worm that has absolutely dominated. What color was that? Rainbow no, swirl. It's like, a, it's like a green pumpkin and like a, like a light blue laminate. But it's been, it's been a good what? color yeah. for the last few years. But this year, for whatever reason, it just 
flat out, it did not put them out like it did the last couple of years. Um, and you know, there was little adjustments. Pete, Pete made an adjustment with, you know, using a worm that had, um, a chartreuse tip on the tail and Ooh, it made, put you out there, Pete. <laughs> yeah, and it made, and it made all the difference in the world for, for me. It was a, it was using a, a worm that had a lot more pronounced, uh, colors in the flakes, like real dark flakes and purple and greens that you could really see a lot more. Um, but it was just, it was unique that for the last, you know, two, three years, this one color, like if you're buying a bag of Senkos, you're buying this color. Right. But for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, where it, it just, it didn't, it didn't work this year. It just, yeah. there, there was, there was other colors that were without a doubt, a better way to consistently we get bit. There. And I, it just kind of, it's like, did the fish like get used no, to I, it? I, I, I actually know the answer to this. I do too. It, it's me. So anytime, <laughs> and this goes way back, this goes back 25, 30 years. Anytime I load up on a color bait, that's it. That's the last fish I caught on it. No doubt. So every time you're you're talking about a slower presentation, exactly. Correct. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. talking about we're coming in and we're knocking our heads like out. Right. You know, we're so, right. It's a split second. You right. took the words right out of my mouth. Yep. So like, when I'm talking, when he like exactly what Greg's talking about, you're talking about something just kind of shimmying down. That fish got time to yep. get up there and look at it. Yeah. Flake, flakes got play For and sure. stuff like that. Flake and half laminate colors will come into play when you start doing that. You're entering a whole different whole new right. presentation spectrum. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Absolutely. But like like he's saying, when I'm punching, that bait's literally that's exactly what that bait just did in mm-hmm. two foot of water. Yep. Yep. That fish you literally just right. grabbed. So it's it. more it's for, for for when you're in, in that react presentation, it's more of the shade of the bait. You know, a black and blue contrast. Yeah, Silhouette, yeah. It has different contrast exactly. than, a, than a green pumpkin or or a white. And those little flecks in there aren't really going to make a difference nope. when the bait's falling. Hundred miles an hour to the bottom. Yep. So I will. I, I do dip the tail when I'm around spawning bluegill. Right. Like, and if I yep. see them bluegill and they got a little bright tail, yep. that's the only crazy thing I do. That's that. And that's other. why I think dipping yep. tails work so darn good for yes. that same scenario yeah. too, yep. for sure. Yeah. So Pete, you're, it's you're, so you're, interesting you're, you're because your dyed tail's about to be over. The <laughs> fight's done. Everybody bought it all. Yeah. <laughs> They're not spawning. Well. <laughs> well, listening to Lee and Caleb. Uh, the simplicity, and you see, you hear this a lot, and and I think the color selections that you guys use are are so simplistic because you have to you have to be able to make stuff work at every different kind of lake, every different watercolor, and um, you know you you got to have you got to have that ability to make small adjustments. Yep. If you get too involved in that, fifteen different color palettes. Yeah. When you go to a different kind of water, different color, different kind of grass, oh my gosh, how are you ever going to break it down? Yeah, you know, you got to keep, you got to simplify your color choices, That's and right. and you definitely do it, Caleb. You're, you know, you're just a simple color choices, That's whether right. you're flipping a jig on a dock or whether you're flipping in the grass. Drinks one kind of beer. Make a little, <laughs> I'm sure. Very, very got simple. Uh, off today. <laughs> we're rehydrate. We're rehydrating today. <laughs> what time did you guys go to bed the other night from shark fishing? Bed? We did not. Oh, I saw that. Exactly. I saw... Bed. We rolled in. We rolled in. Six a.m. Seven a.m. Yeah. I I got up and I counted like the hours back to your story and I'm like, Brian <laughs> Brian just posted this like right before I got up. I'm like, he's not going to sleep. I had to drive the boys home. <laughs> we talked about the shark fishing trip 
more on Ike Live than we did probably fishing and topics. Yeah, probably yeah, more than more than <laughs> Lee's like momentous forty forty three pound, pound bag <laughs> yeah, on top, top water. water. We didn't <laughs> talk about that. We're talking about catching shark and getting stung by stingrays. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Good job following that itinerary, boss. Yeah, well, hey. Yeah, well, hey. I, I got a question real quick. Um, yeah. Riz, do you, you have a new girlfriend or something? <laughs> because like I pulled I in, I pulled in the parking lot today. Were you talking to her? No. Dude, you were like in some different world. I was like, all right, Riz, bye. I just kept on going to the next guy. <laughs> I was talking to Ike. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, I got, oh, it makes sense, the boss. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, okay. Riz. Okay. So, so, <laughs> all right. I had to ask. You do? You don't? Anyway. <laughs> Happy birthday, bro. Yeah, yeah thanks, birthday, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Riz B31. I got a series yep. of questions to continue on, uh, on this topic. A lot of them are commonly asked questions. At our Q and A sessions, you know, um, and, and they provide for just a deeper dive—not even just deeper, just a—they're just right in line with this this topic that we're on. And I, I want to start throwing them uh, to you guys, Brian. Are we ready for this, or is that is that cool? Or do we got something else that we need to be hitting? Uh, like, I, I, yeah, I mean, like commercial break or something. Yeah, something like that. You know that. what? Dude, know. Let's just end end the night with that. Let's rock on. Keep going, buddy. Oh, okay. Cool. Party on Wayne. the night. <laughs> well, well, no, we'll just, you know, we'll keep going yeah, and we'll cool. close out to the commercial spot. Okay. Cool. Got you now. All right. So, all right, guys. We've touched on it a little bit, but I want to know how much of your practice, how much, in what ways too, but how much of your practice goes into your tournament strategy in these multi-day events, the specifically, you know? Um, like, not just where you're starting, but where where you might plan, you know, how and how much weight do you give practice? I know guys vary a lot, so I want to hear it. I need I need more of the question. I'm a little bit confused on what you're asking. I don't know about Caleb got it, but how, how, how like, much are you asking your, like how much how much does practice play into our tournaments? Exactly. Not how necessarily, much? necessarily finding fish, but I, I think I got it. Um so of course, practice is everything because a lot of these, for the last four years I've been fishing, I haven't been to a lot of these bodies of water. Yeah, we've been to a couple places a few times, but um, I haven't been, I haven't even experienced this many type of fisheries that we've ever been to. Smallmouth, I'm from south of Louisiana. So a lot of times, some of the most, the best practice I'm getting is for the three days that we're leading up to our multi-day event. And my mindset entering in practice is... <sighs> It depends on the body of water. I, I don't know how to explain it. Um, obviously, if it's an overwhelming size body of water, I try not to look at the entire lake because I know I'm not going to be able to run the entire lake in the tournament. So mm. I really try to focus on areas that will fit my styles or areas that kind of fit into the game plan of whatever I get, kind of get going. Um and I'll try to find more in that area. You have to maximize your fishing time. So I know if my best area is 20 miles from the ramp, and I find that out maybe on the first day, I might say play into my practice to practice in stuff in between there and the ramp to where I know if that main area doesn't work, I can kind of put a milk run together going back towards check-in. Mm. I'm not extending my day, and I know there's plenty of fish in between there. So that's, that's kind of the main approach that I had this year 
in practicing was looking at as much in the areas that I did get bit in or the main areas that I did. I'm trying to explain this right. Is the main areas I did have found capitalize on those areas towards the ramp and maximize my time with a bait in the water. That was that has been huge. I don't know if I hit that right for you, but that's kind of what I took from your question. Yeah, it's basically the, yeah. The, I wanted to know how you create your tournament plans with your practice. Okay, you know, that's okay. How yeah, because some guys, you know, they might just try to get a read on what the fish are biting and then just fish the cover right, that right. they find. Oh, you know, but yeah. you you have a very distinct strategy on proximity to your area, or not even a proximity, but the route back to where you have to be. That's my end goal in, in the back of my mind is, is I don't, if I have an hour to check in, I don't want to run 30 minutes the opposite way to hit a spot for 10 minutes and have to run all the way back to the ramp. Right. It's being efficient on the water, essentially keeping a bait wet yep. is, is my yeah. end goal in the back of my mind. That's definitely key. And like on, on the tough events, that's like you Major. have to, yeah, that's like everything. One thing that I'm I'm seeing, you know, fishing these three years is like these bodies of water like are so big. There's always seems to be a certain section, you know, that like your top twenty will be in. Yep. And if you can, I, I've been trying to find them certain sections every tournament. Which, like you said, it, it's so hard because you've never been to these places. Exactly. And you're like, you're trying to figure it out. You watched on YouTube what the guys were at, and a lot of times you go back, it's never the same area never. twice. Um, you know, for me, I always try to, there's been times in practice in a three day practice where like I'll find something and like, I'll go look for more and more and more. And then I'll go back to that same area and try to build, expand again right. on the same area. You know, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but like, it always seems like if you find that juicier area where the fish are a little bit fatter, uh, just something like that, you know, for me, it has played out good and, and bad sometimes, but. It's hard. I, I get what you're saying. Every, every body of water we go to across the country is different. Different. So yeah. to try to put it together in two and a half, three days is like. It's tough. It's super tough. But then again, yeah. I feel like I do better with a shorter practice. You know, it yep. goes back to that same clean slate mindset. Yep. How many days have you went out day one and practiced? You're like, oh, my God, I wish the tournament start tomorrow. Exactly. You know, because you find it. You figure out what's yeah. going on right yep. then, at, you know, for that day or two, whatever it is. And it gets tough, and then you yep. put something together to come to the tournament. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's a, I, I, it's a, it's a hard question. Address. It's a hard question to answer right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're going to get a lot of – that's a good question. I think it is. I think it would be interesting to hear a lot of different responses to a question like that between all the anglers because I guarantee you you're going to get a – Different. Different. Yep. Like mind – you're asking the angler's mindset is basically what you're asking. And yeah. it's, it's a really good question. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. Ike would run 100 miles to hit one spot, and I think Hackney would just lock down in a spot and grind it's every fish out of there. That's exactly what you would get. You know? Yeah. That's I like, the kind I like – I want to I want to react to that question, uh, J.K. Because I want to like liken it to Caleb's response about the mats uh, and GDPs too. Like the noise, you, the noise in the mats, right? It lets you know that there was life there. That's right. And that man finding that at practice, even if you haven't figured out the right bait yet, or whether it's going to be a frog or flipping bite, or whether they're going to move to the outside mm. edges, the fact that you found the biomass. You know, that big abundance of, of food, there's birds, there's, there's life, um, man, that's a huge thing to determine at practice because that's going to, that's going to allow you to put yourself in, in harm's way. You know, you're going to be fishing around 
where the big ones are, are likely going to be. And I, I can tell you on, on Champlain, it, it's an interesting example because I fished uh, on the New York side a one day of practice uh, for the Toyota series. And, and I caught fish, but it was just challenging. It was the, you know, there was no birds. There was no cormorants, you know, in the areas where I normally would see them and the bait fish balls, it just nothing. See, then you move over to the Vermont side and you have these massive flocks of seagulls. You have, you know, white and yellow perch just going crazy. Just, and you're like, whoa, I've got night and day. I've got an area that, that, yeah, I could probably get five, but it's going to be hard versus an area where, oh my gosh, you know, maybe I can go for five big ones if I can figure it out, you know? So uh, where there's fish, there's fish <laughs> is kind of a, you know, yeah. thing I say sometimes, but you know, and that's, you know, if you can find something like that at practice, that's great. But, but there's other times where like at, at, at Oneida where, man, you just, you didn't find them. You didn't find the mega schools that Ike found and you have to commit to something that's your strength. You got to learn, you got to know when to do that, you know, when to punt in essence, like, okay, I'm not yeah. going to be fishing the dominant pattern, but I'm going to be fishing to my strengths and, and making a decision to do that. Um, you know, so practice is key. You know, it, but you got to, you know, it's it's really not about spot finding X marks the spot because the fish will not continue to do the same thing for very long. You're going to have to make the adjustments. But, um, you know, that those are the things that that I look for at practice. And um, and I want to I just want to say a couple things because I'm going to have to check out, guys. But um, Caleb, thanks for making the trip. I appreciate it, buddy. It was great being out on the boat with you today. And, and GDP, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. I had a blast. It's awesome to have you part of the Bashu family. GDP, thanks for uh, being in studio. Uh, you know, BTC, thanks. JK, thanks. And uh, happy birthday, Riz. Thanks, Pete. And thanks, Pete. Right thanks, on. You guys Pete. have a great night. I will catch up with all of you guys real soon. Good night, everybody. Good night, Pete. Good night, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Next week, really I had to jump on, on that train. Jumping on the answer real quick. He's all quiet. Sorry, Justin. I'm trying to listen to JK. <laughs> yeah, sure you are. We're, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to be talking bass fishing, guys. That's fishing. If you're still with us on the the later version of the people listening on iTunes, you know, two months from now, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm just going to build on Pete's answer real quick. All of you guys had amazing answers. I love the strategies. I love how everybody's different because you found your way to be successful. I think everybody, every tournament bass angler is trying to find their way to translate practice, to translate results in, in, you know, in the tournament time, but uh, like to the BFL guys. And well, I shouldn't say that because most all these guys I'm fishing against are practicing every freaking day of the week, you know, but like the guys like me who only like practice one day, and, and me and my team partner have done this a lot with, you know, where he might just practice one day ahead of a team tournament or it's, it's the Pete strategy, you know, it's more time sleep just in, wake up late. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, just, it's more time observing. It's more time driving around and looking 
and less time worried about what bait they're going to eat, you know? And I, and I, I'm that way. And a lot of guys maybe don't like that, but I would rather, I, I don't, I don't want to say it, but like, I mean, shad spawn tournament, right? That that's going to go down in an hour. You might have 30 minutes because of the way they blast this off so late. A lot of times as a bass angler, my, my practice is not trying to figure out if they're going to eat a freaking spinnerbait or a chatterbait the morning of the turn, you know, the morning of the turn. Who cares? Like they're like, this is a opportunistic, you know, for not just a bass being opportunistic, but a bass angler being opportunistic. I'm going to drive my bass cat around at like 50 or 60 and I'm going to look and I'm, I cover as much water as I can for the first hour or two rather than fishing, because I know that section of the day, you know, I want to be where that best shad spawn stretches. And you, you know, you, you've got to experience it. Like I know Riz, you've probably never seen one. Um, but like you, once you start to get those experiences, you start to understand what you're looking for and it can afford you that opportunity to where, okay, I know this, this place over here, this place over here, and I got three over here. I can hit these three. That's where I'm going, you know? Um, and I, I, there's gotta be a lot of moments like that for you guys out, out on tour. Totally. But, uh, but uh, next, next question, how long do you stay on a spot before you leave it or stick with a pattern before you decide it's time to change? Go ahead. I mean, every, every scenario is different. Uh, it's such a hard answer again because I mean, if you feel in your gut it's dying, it's leaving, then you know more more times than not, that's probably a good indicator that you gotta you gotta pack up and go. That's right. Um, but there has been times, and you know, when you're talking punching, there's a lot of times where, like like you said, you commit. You know, you're gonna get them five, six, seven bites in eight hours. That's not many bites. That's not. But. I, I, I take punching and I put it in a whole different category because to me that's a committing scenario. That's right. But uh, that's that's the one case where I would say that's where you got to lock down. That's where you got to lock that thing in your hand and go. But if you're like on a cranking bite, you know, if you're on a ledge tournament, it doesn't get much easier because electronics are so good today. You can tell if you're you, not around fish. Yeah, if, if they're not there, you don't see them, that's you know, exactly for, right. for the most part. Um, but, you know, patterns that are dying in front of your face. Like I said, if it starts to feel funny, you know, that's usually when I bounce. Yeah, like today, you know, in in, in light to the punching deal, um, we knew we were targeting at hard edges. And mm. once that grass started to break up and the trolling motor was touching and making more disturbance than I was fishing the right type of grass, I knew it was time to make a move. Yep. So um, I was letting the cover determine where I needed to be when or just the moves that we needed to make. Um and, of course, that goes into, like, exactly what Greg said, where I knew it wasn't going to be a, a technique where we were going to light the world on fire and catch 40 fish, but I knew we had to be on the right equation. We had to be on the right stuff. We had yep. to be on the right grass, and that's what we did. So every time we got kind of got out of, around the, the stuff started to break up, we just made a quick move, go hit another hard edge. and Yeah. I, I, think, I think a lot of this you can just, you know, 
what he's doing, you can play it in your head because, like, he knows what he's looking for. He burnt down one stretch, caught two, three fish real good. Man, if I could find this again, I can duplicate it. Exactly. You know, but if you're in a scenario where you're doing something completely different, you know, that's where you got to kind of take it in and you got to, like, you know, swallow it and just be like, okay, I need to make a change here. Yep. Got to make a move. That. You know, it's very hard to do. We talked about it all night long. It's like the hardest thing to do, whether it's a bait, it's the pattern, uh, it's the weather, anything. You know, it's, yep. dude, this fishing stuff is hard, but. If you can put yourself in a little bit better percentile of what you should be doing, you will come out on top a lot more. Yep. I mean, that, I, it's, this goes to hand in hand with what we were talking about Gunnersville. The, the mistake that I made, the lesson that I've learned with the frog is I got so keyed in on it that I was hung on it for days. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a knowing when to give up on it on any point in day. I, I got hung up on it bad for a half a day, and it burnt me. And uh, – mm-hmm. You know, I tried different areas, but every time when I bent down, I picked up that frog. You know, it, that, and it finally clicked. Like, it, okay, ding, bad. You probably need to put the frog down. Yeah. And then, you know, salvaged my tournament. But um, probably a good way to put it: if you're if you're trying to force the bite, you cannot force. That's it. when it's time to move. Great. That's, that's when a, it's time that's to a change. Great way to answer it. Yep. You cannot force it. You can't force it. Great way. Yeah, that's good. Stuff. And, you know, I, I pull a couple things from Bash UTV lessons in the past. Um, this one pertains to the, the tournament fishing. I think Ike used to talk about a one-hour rule a lot. Like, that's just, you know, what what he gave himself. And I don't know if he's still operating like that or not. But he would give himself an hour when he was on a, like, like groups of fish, you know, where he knew there were, you know, a lot yeah. of fish in an area or like a school and they're there, but they're not biting. He'd give them about an hour, you know, if they were his starting yeah. fish before moving on. Um, Brian thrift had a practice strategy tidbit where 15 minute rule. Now he practices fast and, and stuff, but like if he got in an area and didn't get bit in 15 minutes, it's not going down and he right. moves on. You look, you know, he's looking for areas that's going down. Yeah. It's looking for, for, for stuff where it's going down and, um, and that's practice and, you know, just a couple things to drop. I'm, I'm loving these answers. And I know some of these questions are hard to unpack, but I, I just think that's why they're the most commonly asked questions that's by right, a lot of no our webinars. And they always come in the Q&A sections and you get so many different answers, that's right. um, but they're all helpful, you know, because Caleb's viewpoint and experience is different than GDPs and so on. So, I, I, I'm lo- I'm loving your answers right now. Um, I'm going to ask one more, and then I've got a couple more, but then we, we might go back to the IM board after this one. So, guys, w- when you are under the pressure and you need a fish the most, power versus finesse, which 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 do you pick up? Are you a, are you a finesse guy? Are you going to grind out? You know, do you lean towards the spinning rod and grinding it out, or do you pick up the pace and grab the bait caster and try to – you know, get an active fish. What, what, which type of guy are you? And then maybe you have some experiences to uh, go off of that. When the pressure is saying we're both probably going to tell you it's going to be dependent on the lake we're on for sure. Um, but let's let's just say a right. perfect scenario. Perfect scenario. I'll keep it simple. Well, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. I was going to say keep it simple and say, well, let's talk about smallmouth and largemouth, but let's not do that. Let's talk about just fishing. Fishing. Trying to catch a fifth fish. Um. Nine times out of ten, I have bait catchers on my deck. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm fishing for smallmouth, I don't typically – I might have one wacky worm out. Um, wacky worms are kind of hard not to, to get bit on. To, yeah, it's one of the 
by, by far the best 12 inch fish catcher in the in the, in the country in the world. It's Pete's <laughs> favorite bait, right? <laughs> 20, yeah, I mean, he, lo- he loves the Senko. I, I, I don't gotta, know about I, the wacky, but I, he loves the Senko. It, it goes, I gotta go with that. I'm gonna. It's, it's pizza, it, and then it's Senko. Pizza uh, pizza's first. <laughs> sleep, pizza, Senko. <laughs> sleep for way up there. Sleep, I'm gonna sleep in there right now. <laughs> so love you, Pete. I think I think the best thing to do in a tough scenario, if you need that fish, is always go what you know. That's right. Always fish your strength if it's available. That's right. Besides that, me personally, I'm gonna pick up a five inch wacky worm. And I'm gonna go to the bank. That's it. That's you know whether it's dock fishing, if it's grass that's out there. That's the mm. the best way that I know how to Kid catch a limit or a fish. That's right. You know, and it works anywhere as I've been. Great yes, answer. Brian, thank you. Uh, Riz, let's go to the to the IM. You got anything? Yeah, um, I I do, and I'm actually gonna kind of backtrack just a little bit with this. It's gonna go back to the mats and uh, you oh, know I fishing. You're going back to the pizza and the fishing around mats. Um, it's just too it's too good of a question for me to not bring it back in. Uh, it. This is this is gonna come from Matt Gowdy, and uh, he wants to know: Do you guys find that fish move in and out of the mats and the cheese based on tide cycles on a tidal body of water? Or do they tend to stick around in those mats throughout the tides? Depends on how much water is under the mats. If you have a low tide, and I feel like those mats, on low on the lowest tide, if the mat still has anything over a foot of water, it could hold fish. Could. Mm-hmm. But they will most definitely move further back in and towards the edges as the tide falls, is my experience with tidal fisheries. Um yeah, water goes up, fish go up. That's exactly Underneath right. the mat, it's the same scenario. If the tide gets high, they'll go shallower into the deeper into the mat. That's right. You know, mm. they might not move, um, you know, horizontally, or they just might, you know, move up and down. Like like yep. Greg's saying, yep. that's what they're going to do. We had some fish bite today that, that really were just sitting under the mat. Yep. You know, and yep. then as the day went on, they thumped it a little bit deeper. You know, yep. they were kind of moving up and down type of thing. But uh, I almost definitely think if they have the right environment with enough water, they're not leaving it. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100% for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then Caleb was saying, too, about, like, you know, once you find that magic mat, it doesn't seem to matter what it's doing. Nope. Like, that's where they live. That's it. So in a title scenario, like he's saying, if it's it, – uh, same deal. Dude, I flipped in mats before, and it's like there's no water, and all of a sudden it's got it. I'm like, really? And, you know, they're there. And it seems like on a tidal body of water, uh, they'll live shallower than anywhere else normally it seems like yeah. them fish just live shallow in general so uh you know with the, with the tidal thing man i don't think you could rule anything out on tidal systems especially uh especially if there's like a deep water access too, like a, a ditch that runs through the map absolutely not. you know they can just live in there the entire tide cycle yep you know mm. riz did we give away a prize on that one yeah that's going to be a uh gills gear gift card there for uh our man matt gowdy nice all right, so guys, I got another one. This one, I talked to Pete a lot. Pete's probably talked about this on the show. You know, and, and it's like, do you know your own winning ways? Do you know your, like, do you know your stats, basically? You know, he started writing it down and realized he is, when when he gets on a flipping bike, he's, he's getting a lot of top finishes. And we're seeing that with his little run he's on lately. And he started to seek that out in tournaments, even if that wasn't, you know, 
what normally is the dominant pattern that time of year for that lake. You know, he'd still look for it because he knew if he got on it, you know, they, that, that a lot of times good things happen for him. Do you guys do that at all? Do you have techniques or anything that you like, that's your ace in the hole. It's tied on everywhere you go in the country and you at least look for it. Go ahead. I, I mean, got a, I got an interesting answer to this one. Yeah. My, so yes and no. Uh, the old Greg, yes, I used to just, this is how I fished, and that's all I'm doing all day long, you know, and I want a lot of, you know, local stuff doing it that way, but as I'm fishing the elites, dude, um, me personally, it's like, I don't want this to sound bad, but I, I tried to make myself, I forced myself to basically take every single technique that's out there and really try to apply it according to the scenario I'm faced, the lake that I'm going to, all that good stuff. And I think that's the way, honestly, nowadays you have, have to, to be that fisherman. Have to. At, you know, at our level, whether even with electronics, all the whole thing as, as one. So, no, I, I don't stick myself in a, in a certain category. I think I'm well-rounded with a lot of the, a lot of right. the techniques, and I'm sure Caleb is the same way, obviously – Seventh place in the points, he's doing something right. Um, you know, so I, I think locally you can get yourself stuck in a scenario and keep winning consistently locally. But once you want to step it up and get to the BFL level, go to the opens level, you have to start applying every single technique that you possibly can if you want to excel. Dude, you take the words right out of my mouth. That's like it. Straight up. My, my number one go-to technique is punching. I will lock that thing in my hand and never think twice if I'm in the right cover mm. about picking up another thing. Dude, it, it, I'll dig myself into a rut, almost like I did with the frog. But I want to win a tournament on smallmouth, drop shot in 40 foot of water. I want to be known as the Louisiana angler yep. that went, do that. I want to be well-rounded. I keep every avenue open. I, I'm constantly trying to learn new techniques, new ways to catch them. And I'm, I'm intrigued by stuff that I don't know. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to put stuff in my arsenal. Yep. Like Greg's saying, we have to be able to go catch him on a spy bait on, on forward-facing sonar. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to do that. It might, there's nothing I'm doing in Louisiana to practice yep. that. So i got to learn it quick when I am able to do it. Yep. Um, stuff like that, you know, I, that's – I want to win a tournament doing – Stuff that's not known to be my strength. I want to be known as a well-rounded angler. Yep. Duck lore? Duck lore. Yeah, I got 20 of them. What, what does that mean? It's like a stupid... The Western duck? Western show? Spider lore? When was that Western show? Like 10 years ago? Like three. Three? Three or four, yeah. Uh, I, I pulled yeah. into a Baton Rouge Bass Pro Shops, and this guy came up to me. I told Caleb this. The guy's like, yo, man, you know Caleb Summerall? He's king around here. That's just what he said to <laughs> God, me. Really? Yeah, I told you that after I saw the guy. <laughs> Maybe you weren't listening, but I was laughing when the guy <laughs> walked see? up to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's He's what he king said. around here. Yeah, that's what he said to me. King Caleb. <laughs> anyway, if you're watching, he's king. Here he is. <laughs> God, I wish I knew where that was. I don't know. <laughs> he knows you. All right. The last one I got for you guys before we can turn it over to the board and our guys, but, you know, this is going to say, this is more of a preference. What kind of, what kind of angler, and I don't want to hear, well, it depends on the like. Well, of course it does. <laughs> yeah. but, but, like, there's two schools of thoughts in tournament fishing, right? 
there's pattern fishing, there's, you know, searching out singles, single fish, single bites, onesie, twosie bites here and there, you know, pattern fishing. And then there's spot fishing, you know, group, trying to find groups of fish, you know, schools of fish. What, which kind of style do you kind of fall, fall back to when it comes to tournament, tournament fishing? And, and is it, is it as simple as running gun versus like settling down in an area? I'll start this one out. Yeah. Because I, hard, I have a hard time enough catching five fishes as it is. So I'm hardly <laughs> never the guy that's finding the massive groups <laughs> catching a You're bunch of fish. Always on the mother load. So I, I let that one answer itself. Yeah. So I'm, a, I'm more of a run and gun individual fish type of guy for sure. Um, I know when I'm around fish, but, you know, I bet you I can count. I don't think I've caught more than 10 or 12 keepers a day this year in a tournament. I mean, I've come in several times without a limit and. Most of the times caught just five, caught just seven or eight, caught just two or three times. Um, had a good year, but never really lit the world on fire with fish catches, so I'm not the guy finding groups totally. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a fine line when it comes to using the word spot fishing. Uh, I think when you fish locally, you're fishing spots because you know the areas. Exactly. I think mm. what we're trying to do is collaborate five or six different patterns per body of water that we can apply every, you know, wherever you're going on the lake. Different weather yeah, conditions. Everything. Different, uh, yeah. the, the whole nine. So, like, and, and I don't mean that to sound weird, like there's a, a fine line on spot fishing because, you know, we might find a spot where we might sit for the whole entire tournament, which are rare. Yep. You know, because I don't know many guys that sit in four days of one spot, but it, it does happen. It yeah, has exactly. happened. Guys have won that way. So I think the best way to do is collaborate a bunch of patterns that you could apply through the course of the day with changing conditions. That's what I think. I like that. Yeah. 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 That's good stuff. I, yeah. They are good questions. I, guy. Yeah. I appreciate it. I have, I have one school of thought on that, I guess, where I have found that, you know, you got to find these areas and practice and stuff, but I have found for me personally, I have way more success in the winter and during the spawn winter pre-spawn and spawn when I can settle down in an area and I might bounce around and fire up the big motor a little bit, but where I just settle down with the trolling motor and I'm more thorough, I have better events when I'm like that. And then when catching lethargic fish for time comes all the way through the fall through down here, it's November, December. We, you know, our fall lasts that long. I'm it's, it's, it's running gun like just as fast as and as much water as you can cover, but hitting as many areas and different areas and just running a milk run all over the lake where that's, that's my, that's been my, you know, experience. And I, we, and I've taken that out of the state and, and I've done well to where it's just like, that's what I'm looking for. And it's a different school of thought, right? Cause you know, you're, it's more, it's a, more of a seasonal thought. Yes. That was my question for you. Cause you, what you said yeah. was like, you know, a lot of times what you're saying is what what you can normally do locally. Like so when sure. I used to fish locally when I was younger, there was certain times of year where I knew I would excel because what I was good at would excel that time of year. You know, so like that's why and then you said you took it other places. That was my question for you. So a lot of the guys that are probably, you know, listening are, are more or less local fishermen uh, that are fishing their local spots. 
So, like, let's say July, you're really good because you go way up creeks and it's colder and it's coming out, and that's when you shine. So maybe you need to build on different techniques for different times of the year. You know, I think one of the best ways to learn uh, a fish is actually fish form in the wintertime because in the wintertime is when they're moving. You know, if you're if you're not froze over, in the wintertime is when they're chasing that bait, when they're setting up on points or they're getting on secondary points. You can literally follow them fish and see how they react. You know, I think that's a great way for a local guy to take his body of water, you know, hang the tree stands, I'll do that, just go out and chase them fish instead. And you'll see a lot more movements out of them fish than you would see if you're doing your one scenario when you're good in July. Yeah, I'm with you. you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and we, uh, just thinking through the team tournament, we did that at Lay Lake. We'd never seen the body of water before. And we practiced, you know, he practiced Thursday. I showed up Friday, so we had two days of team practice there technically. And we were all over that body of water you know, just trying to get hints and clues. And we found two areas uh, that were far apart from each other. And we're like, well, you know, we don't have a lot of like, we don't have a pattern because we were just catching, randomly catch one out of a grass bed, randomly catch one behind a dock or something. And, um, and it, it, you know, we ended up with a, a money finish by buckling down in an area that honestly we knew had life in it, kind of like what Pete said. We kind of saw that there was life side scanned like a, a school of just 20 some fish roaming the ditch of this creek and decided to go there and just pick it apart. And it was cold, so you're getting like one bite every 40 minutes or something. But it turned out, you know, that approach worked for us, you know, rather than, you know, we would have rather had been a pattern, you know, oh man, we're on a grass bed bite. That's so good. But it just, you know, and I think it was more seasonal for us. So, so I've been able to take that outside of, I guess the local stuff a couple times, but I really see what you're saying there now with that local emphasis, because yeah. you, you know so much. Yeah. About well, that's, that's good. You, you know, you went outside and you actually applied it because that's really hard to do you know, honestly, to go somewhere you've never been before and apply what you know and how you do it. That's the hardest thing. But if you can crack that code, you'll you'll come out on top a lot of times. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh Brian, that's that's my my run of the run of the mill on that topic. It's a lot of uh thought provoking questions and it's a lot of what our guys ask, you know, at our seminars all the time. So appreciate you guys uh giving us the goods on that. But uh we we thinking about like a bashu battle. I mean, we'd be remiss if we forgot to. We have a request from the message. We haven't, we haven't had one of these in a long time for a bashu battle for Caleb Summerall and Greg De Palma. I think we should get Riz involved in this. Uh, I'm we ready. I'm, I'm never scared. <laughs> Riz will take my answer and change it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Throw the shake out. You ever been on one of these? No. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's it's like a roller coaster. We brought we have we have Caleb I would go to the bathroom first. I would. <laughs> we 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 did it at the classic. Remember, Brian, you did like that mega bash you battle where we were just sliding in people in and out. Oh yeah. Kill yeah, were you part of one of them? You probably was. Oh yeah. So what they do yeah, is they they put a Oh yeah. Yeah, scenario. One. Yeah, give you a scenario how you yeah. catching them. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then we just decide who wins based off of. And, and you can't say whatever you want to see. <laughs> Flipping coins, you know what I mean? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the body of water so that we eliminate that depends on the lake. Never been there. Uh, it's got to be you two. <laughs> All right, that's fine. We need three judges. Can't have two judges. All right, let's go. You're so smart, Riz. First body of water. Damn. You know me. I do know you. <laughs> All right, we ready? Yeah. yeah. All right. Sabine River. No, no, no. I'm trying to think of where you guys are from because I had three scenarios. We're like as I'm far gonna... away as you can almost get. Oh, it's yeah. pretty crazy. His plane ride was 20 right. hours. <laughs> so we're going to go uh, Lake Okeechobee. Never been there. Me neither. Okay. Hey. Fall. In the fall. So like big bowl of a lake down. In... You've both never been to Okeechobee? Great time of year to be there. Is it? It's horrible. Actually, isn't mad at out and follow Caleb. Caleb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go. Y'all, you got, you guys have both been to say the Harris Chain, right? Years ago, we're going there. We're <laughs> going there this year. There either. I have very little Florida experience. Gosh, I Caleb, freaking out. Get Lake Gunnersville, whatever. We're We've going been to there like four times in like three years. We're going to Gunnersville in the fall. It's October, and you found, you know, a mother load. Uh, of a fish out on the main river or the main lake rather and they are chomping at the bit on bait that looks like it's just sprinkling in the water teeny tiny bait you know looks like looks like fry almost you know um it's that classic fall scenario that happens on gunnersville um how you catching those how you catching those fish Schooling so, fish. Real quick, it's hard. So these are schooling fish on small bait mm-hmm. fish on Gunnersville, and they're just going nuts everywhere it's out there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Happens all the time. And everybody hates it because they're the hardest fish to catch. All right. I, I actually have a way to catch it, but I'm not allowed to say it. It's, it's actually a very good <laughs> I'm going to tease y'all bad on this one. All right. So, Caleb, no. since you're the guest, I feel like you have choice Man. whether you want to go first or default. I'm going to – this is what I will. Go- I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold this one. I'm not gonna give this one up. But I'm gonna let you know that I got something. All right, we already lost. Brian's <laughs> used to me doing this one. <laughs> like no, Greg this- won. <laughs> Greg won. <laughs> <laughs> so I can. The most important thing is matching the size of the forge. That's yeah. what I will say. All right. So I'm gonna. Can I? Can I use two baits? Is that loud or just one? Yeah, you can show me your approach, man. So the, I've been faced with this scenario a lot of different times mm-hmm. over the years. Always caught them. Every time, right? I've caught quite a few <laughs> of them. I can tell you this. So, this is from my experience. When they're out there, they're busting, they're boiling. One thing in particular, out of my two baits that I do, when I throw that cast out there, I don't start reeling it. I just let it fall because what they're doing is they're eating bait, and anything that falls below that bait, that's what they're eating when it comes down through there. With you on that. So two mm. things that I have experienced that work really good for these falling scenarios, number one is a blade bait. Number okay. two is a small swim bait. Okay. They're my two baits. Like I said, it's more about what I'm doing that's with right. the baits than yeah. it is anything. It's small that. swim yeah. baits without what I got, but it's just a little different way that I rig it. But it's the same exact scenario. Um, you have to get it below the fish. You have mm. to have the right slow fall through the bait and get it presented to the fish that are eating the dormant fish or eating pieces of shad or, you know, get it to the fish that are eating. Yeah. Now I'm with you on that. One thing that I have noticed with, with these scenarios, a lot of times, and I've seen this on my eyeballs, <laughs> these bass are literally going into the bait balls with their mouth closed. 
they're it's like they're working together. That's when you always see them wolf packed. They're going in and they're knocking the shad down, and the ones below it are just chomping the ones yeah. that are falling through. I've seen it so many darn times. Dang, didn't mm. you do that up here? Huh? Because that's only that's the only place I've seen that is on the TVA. We have a place here that does it. Really? Yes, we do. That's yeah. where I would always experience it. Was it was Pickwick in the fall for a, a nation event. They were doing that. They were they were actually busting on the edge of hydrilla mats. It's the only time I've ever seen them not in hydrilla. Mm. But they were coming from the main river, busting tiny shad onto the mats, and then going back out into the river. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was, like, trying to punch, trying to punch, trying to punch. Could not get a bite yep. punching. They were going mm. onto the grass and then back out. But they were donks. Isn't that something? Yep. That's crazy. Bait that big. Yep. Dude, when they get when they get locked on something, dude, it's weird. Like they want they bait. want just that you better no be, how yep. better be, be that better be that big. Yep. Oh, what the hell? Good luck answering good luck picking a person on that one. Well, I guess we'll dive into it. We got three judges. Uh they were very similar answers. Uh I'm giving Greg the dub. You gotta give Greg the dub on that one because I wasn't coming off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him that one. That Caleb. But uh, the uh, the blade bait, you know, I, I love that. And that you can scenario. bomb that thing, too. That's the difference. They come up way far away. This yeah, is a I got to get some. Yeah. Yeah, try it out. It's pretty big here. Big here. Yeah. 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 It's a scenario that helped me win the All-American last year, and we got the video with that's Brian right. through Ashu TV, and it was the same type of scenario. Um, so pretty cool that you said that. Yeah, uh, how many times why- have you seen a fish blow up and you go over to them and then you get there and they blow up over there? Like it happens yeah, all the every time. Single time. So the blade yeah, bait I mean, is you like put, you can sling a blade bait. Dude, super yards, far on braid. Yeah. Braid to Florida, yeah. I, it's actually funny we're talking about this, dude. I won the nation event in Hartwell on school and fish in the fall on very small bait. They weren't busting on heron, they were busting on whatever type of small bait they were. Yeah. I, I will give you I'll, because you already give the Palmer one, I will give you one. Because I, I don't I feel bad. I I held back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean like your hotel so, room was covered. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> scenario. <laughs> I said was. Go ahead. It was. Get it, get it back. Come on, Cal. But it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. So these fish, the the water had slicked off in this exact scenario. They were they were on tiny bait, but these shad were making this V across the surface, and I seen that these fish were following them. There were schools of three and four, four pounders following six or seven shad and forcing them to the surface, and they were just making this V. I tied on a fluke. Just the full-size fluke, whatever I had in the boat. I wasn't a guy that had a ton of tackle. But I started throwing it out there, and I started rod-tipping it up and straight mm. reeling it. The bait was doing nothing but making that V that the shad were making it, and they started crawling on that thing. Like, literally, like, whoosh! And I'm like, like, it was just a different profile. But I was noticing, the only thing that made me do that is I saw the shad pushing that water. The, the shad were, and then, one group of them just got so close to the boat that I saw three and four pounders just under them, just following them and, mm. and looking at them. I'm like, oh, my God, i got to make that V. Tied a fluke on and just reeled it just under the surface and got mauled. Mm. It was actually very interesting. That's really cool. That's dope, dude. That's real yeah. cool. I'm you sorry just, I forgot about that. No, you just won. God damn, I stole it back from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won it from him. You just, well, you got my vote. You got Brian's vote. Um, I, I'm sticking with Greg. That's a that's an awesome scenario and definitely true to Herring Lakes. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. Just dead real a fluke in, but Straight up. he but noticed the, it. That's the big part. But the fact yeah. that you you know adapted yeah. to what you saw. If I wouldn't have saw those fish under those shed pushing them like that, yeah, like it was, I would have never made that adjustment, dude. It was, it right. was a cool. One. That's rad. Well, man. you're in 
you're in the land of like the weight bait, you know, that V with the fluke is not, it's not foreign to guys, local guys along the chain. And then you've got, you know, like, well, when I won, just knowing that V, like, I don't, I don't ever hardly talk about it, but like when I won my first, <laughs> get worms, release and think about it. That wasn't even my good secret. Yeah, I know. But when I won my first boat in 2013, the V is what won won me the boat. Really? That's but awesome. I, Flying V. I, Marty Ducks. I like it. I was doing it with a different bait, you know? Um, but it had you had to make a V on the top of the water when when it was it slick. Like they get pushed. It's like sick. they're getting chased. They just Service respond bait. to it. Um, that's, that's that's good stuff. But all right, Riz, you got the tiebreaker. Yep. So they I, I like both answers. Um they both identified that you got to match the size of the bait um, that the fish are eating. That's always super key. Uh, our guy Mike always talks about match the hatch. Um, they both had two unique baits uh, that they're going to use to catch these fish, and, and, and Greg's using a blade bait. Uh, Caleb, <coughs> in certain situations, is going to use a fluke. Um, now, what really set the answer over the edge for me uh, with Greg was the distance of the cast for the – the blade bait when you see those fish come up schooling and i mean i haven't thrown a fluke enough to really know but i know that with that blade bait how easily if i see if i was to see fish come up schooling three or however far away that i can grab that spinning rod with that blade bait on there and absolutely bomb that piece of metal out to them and get it inside of those active fish in that moment Mm -hmm. that i think i'll be able to trigger bite I don't know that I'll be able to do that as efficiently with a fluke, nor do I know if that fluke will get down below the uh, the schooling fish quick enough to trigger that bite just because I know it, it's such a quick thing. It's so timing-oriented that you got to be able to get that bite while it's happening as soon as you see them come up because oftentimes once you see them come up and you pick a rod up and you decide you're going to make a cast, they're already back down. So that's why I like the idea of the blade bait, and it's something that, is overlooked by so many oh, yeah. guys. There's not many people that are incorporating the stupid metal blade bait into their arsenal, but it just flat out catches fish. No it, it really does. You so, could you could have just said Greg, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, hey, this is this is Bash University. I had to give details to the answer. <laughs> you could have just said Greg. It's all good. <laughs> wait to the next one. Sitting out. All right, so good way to say it. <laughs> I love it. Congratulations to Greg winning the Bashy battle. But let me go ahead and tell you a scenario that played out just like that at Lake Gunnersville, which was the lake. Um, and uh, there was a big college tournament. There's 200, 300 boats, you know, typical college tournament. And this was eight, nine, ten years ago, probably about eight or nine years ago. And our pal, uh, Brad Rutherford, who's the pro staff uh, director over at Pure Fishing, won that tournament blew it out of the water what he was throwing a seven inch triple trout with like a four five inch fluke trailers threaded onto it as the tail big profile he went opposite of match the hat yeah and crushed their faces in so just another scenario that i I, I love y'all's answers but i had to throw that out there because i've never been able to repeat it but it happened you know so I have no clue why, but that, he got it on below the that bait with that big triple trout and crushed so, him. So, so you uh you just gave up Brad Rutherford's secret, but going hold on. Yeah, what secret? 
that got written about that. That oh, was okay. no secret. But you got to hold on to yours? Who, mine? Yeah. I have to share mine? You said you were no, going to give us a scenario of when you won. When I won. The Flying V. I... Oh, no, yeah, that was burning a swim jig. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, huh. that, that, the, uh, the uh, weed guard comes out of the water, it makes the V, and then your chunks back there dobbing it like a horny toad. Huh. And they crushed it. Ironing it. Open water. Mm, both. If it was open, okay, okay, I like yeah. it. Cool stuff. It had to be made if you weren't contacting the dog fennel. But the dog fennel's gone. That pattern won't even work at, at Hartwell anymore. You know, no, huh. it, it's over. It was, it was, it oh. was more of a dog related thing, and that's not there anymore. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I didn't know if I could be talking about Hartwell right now. Oh, I didn't realize he was on Hartwell, so I'm just getting that out of the way. I qualify for classic. Can't talk about that. Okay, my bad. Don't be talking about that. But that's, I, that's, I said that, I'm good. That's nobody watches this thing, but we're good. Well, but it's also public. Okay, yeah. I guess yeah. that is true. Okay. Public I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the tournament director. <laughs> don't get me in trouble. Stop talking about Hartwell. <laughs> true. <laughs> Great batch you battle. I yeah. like that. That was <laughs> good job, Riz. That was good. It's very relevant. Thanks, Greg. No problem. <laughs> Biased judges here. <laughs> oh, they are. No, they're not. I usually lose. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a good time to start taking her home. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Guys yeah been, so we uh, actually got a we got a grand prize that's going out the door tonight. Um, it's a hundred dollars worth of Bash University sponsored product. That's TH Marine Missile Baits Rapala Rod Warrior. Wait, what's All that? Do nothing uh, crawl named after Shannon. Do not crawl. crawl, father. <laughs> missile crawl. Not That's right. Missile crawl. Um, so, guys, tonight's uh, grand prize trivia question is going to be relevant to tonight's show. I need a specific answer answering my specific question. Now, during tonight's show, GDP identified one bait that he uses when he absolutely needs to get a limit or get that fifth in the boat. What is that? And what is Caleb's go-to technique to catch fish? What is GT? What is GDP's limit bait? And what's Caleb's go-to technique to catch fish? Answer's priority up here. Don't, don't, don't. They're quick. Yeah, man. I need both in the same answer, guys. Both in the same answer. So, what bait were you uh, punching with today when you busted that fatty? Missile baits, D bomb. D bomb, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I ain't sponsored by them, but dude, a D bomb is probably literally one of the best. It's like the perfect yeah. size. Yeah, yeah. It's, it literally is. It's legit. Yeah, and soft, and they hold it. Yeah. Ooh, great, great hookup ratio. Yeah, they're yes. great. Bait. We got a winner. Yep. We, we got it. Take long. What's up? Yep. We they're got quick. a winner. Matt G. Matt Matt Gowdy. Gowdy on it again. Through. Man, he's having an absolute on night on the message board. Great job, Mac Gowdy. That's good work out of you, kid. Um, Five-inch Senko, wacky rigged. And the punching is Caleb's go-to technique. Congratulations, Matt Give G. Give that man his prize. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Punched the cow nose Ray the other night. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> did you really? Hey, became famous. It popped up on the... Oh, <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Stories all about it. <laughs> mm. yeah. You can hear more about that if you go to the Ike Live podcast <laughs> and listen to last Sunday's show. Way to go, Brian. Yeah. Well, 
No, it's great. We'll get, we'll, we'll get into detail after, after we close. <laughs> yeah. He got me pretty good, so. It's all good, man. Uh, Rich, oh, hit that Facebook like and share. Yeah, so, uh, guys, we also got a Facebook like and share going out tonight. Guys, if you haven't liked and shared tonight's feed, you still got time. Go ahead and do that now. Let's get a few more in there. Um, we got some awesome stuff coming out the doors uh, tonight during the show. And also, we're dropping awesome new content for you guys over on Bashu TV every week. Coming up this week, tomorrow night, I'm super stoked about this one because the man, the myth, the legend, Ken Duke, uh, in our interview that we did with him on at the Bassmaster Classic, is going to be released tomorrow. And then later this week, we got Bobby Lane talking about Buzz Toads, which is an absolutely dynamite seminar, and it's something that's applicable to this time of the year. Uh, the Buzz Toad is an absolute player when you're fishing around grass. It's a uh, you know it's a it's a great technique where we were today, Caleb. There's times where that Buzz Toad is absolutely unbeatable. Um, next week we got a, a, a remastered seminar with Ike and Pete talking about frog fishing, which everybody loves, uh, and that's going to be right around the same time that our Frog Days of Summer promo is coming to an end before we roll into the next one, guys. So if you haven't signed up yet for Bash UTV, now's a great time. Get signed up. We're going to send you two River to Sea-ish fat frogs, and you're going to get a Bash University official camo hat, and you're going to get unlimited access to over 900 bass fishing videos, all with one goal in mind, to help you catch more big bass. That was great, eh, bro? Dude, he's good. I'm telling you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. You earned your birthday, Rich. Yes. You did. Yeah. You get yes. to be 31 now. Really coming into it at 31, dude. Still yeah. Strong. Really coming into it. <laughs> Only took 30 you. trips around the sun, but we're getting it. <laughs> That's awesome. And now for something completely different, I'm going to stumble through a TH Marine promotion. Yeah. Trip over my <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. Take it away. <laughs> and this, is, and this is the opposite end. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I can't know much without my reading glasses. Uh, TH Marine's got uh, some Lifesaver bundles. It's a little deal they're running here at the end of the year to help save your skin and your catches. We have the Skin Saver bundle, $49. The Scale Tipper <laughs> bundle for $99. I don't know what the heck's in it, but it's pretty awesome stuff. Rich, did you, did you open the link? Yeah. See what's on here? Yeah. You you got this, man. Come Riz on. is doing your job too now. Uh, this Riz. is a text message. There is I can't open the link, so. Oh. <laughs> but it's awesome. Check it out. All right. So uh, tonight's Facebook like and share <laughs> winner. Put him on the put him on the spot. <laughs> I put myself on that spot. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, tonight's Facebook like and share winner for uh, this Bash University Live is Clint Bartlett. Clint Bartlett from. North Carolina, congratulations. You just won yourself an awesome Bash University prize pack from all of our sponsors is headed out the door to oh. you. Clint Bartlett. Clint oh. Bartlett. Is that the... Is that Clint? It is Clint. Yeah. You realize it. Yeah. We it is Clint. that Clint. We know, we know Clint. How about that? Yeah, he's uh, was uh, came with uh, Oliver Knives. Yes, sir. Holding cameras that? and... Yeah, yeah he's stuff. a big bait slinger. Oh, what right. up, Clint? I know Clint. Yeah. I, know Clint. Yeah. I know Clint. Yeah. yeah. Dog. <laughs> the hip remover. Huh. I had no idea. Yeah. All right. Clint. All right. He Greg, does, uh, so you're getting married tomorrow? The Black Rifle coffee tents. At the, the, the oh, really? Yeah. I've seen a guy. I don't know him, but yeah. yeah. What's this, Brian? So you're getting married? Tomorrow? Yeah. No. When is it? I would not be here if I was getting married tomorrow. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. No offense, Ike guys. fished on the day he got married. Mm, I don't think I can swing that one. That is 
the way to do it. Yeah. Absolutely 100% the way to do Dude, it. Dude, I would so the limo picked us all up. We're down, you know, in in uh in Virginia on the James. Is this Marion Becky or, or Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just just clarifying <laughs> that. He's <laughs> Yes. I had um <laughs> story over. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah. So they picked us up. We we had waiters. They took us to the section of the James River that you should absolutely not be in a pair of waders. <laughs> Rapids, deep holes. <laughs> For real? Oh yeah. Watch John McCrawl. Whoosh. <laughs> John six six. Gone underwater. Oh yeah. You see him come up on the other side. I think. Two or three phones went that day. Jesus. But uh, anyhow, awesome. but yeah, Mike had, Mike was, he, dude, he was so calm. We were all nervous. Like, oh my God, we're going to be late. Where's the, where's the limo? Where's Pete? And, you know, can't call nobody. People, phones are missing. McGraw's missing. still underwater. <laughs> <laughs> and McGraw's swimming down the river. And Mike's still trying to catch a smallmouth, you know, just like focused on it. It was, that was, that was impressive. Wow. Bob yeah. McGraw. Yeah, I was, he, no stress whatsoever. But anyhow, how do so, we get on that? Because uh, you asked you? me if I was getting married yesterday. Oh, yeah. Or Not tomorrow sure. or something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> completely off the rails. Yeah. Way to go, Brian. Dude, thank you so much for coming into Dude, town. It's been a blast. Yeah, yeah, man. It really has. Dude, this was, this was a good show. It was juicy. Hell yeah. It was. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good thank stuff. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a good experience. Yeah. Like live show, the Bash U show. Dude, filming with you guys today. It's been it's been good. Yeah. I like to pass oh. on knowledge, man. I like to. Yeah. Get the juice, have Mo- some fun, do some sharking. Most of it. Yeah. Most of it. Not all of it. One little right deal. On. Yeah. I gave up some juice today, so. No doubt. It'll be a good Heck wash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like it. All right, man. Anybody awesome. got anything else to say? Uh, I'm just going to say thanks, you know, for Caleb and GDP and Riz, BTC. Thank you, guys. Another great show. And uh, until next Tuesday at 7 p.m., I am your professional fish head at Bash U Live. See you next week. See you guys. See everybody. On the water, not spent fishing, is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Tackle Warehouse is proud to sponsor the FLW Pro Circuit and is the official tackle retailer of FLW. Providing proven bass fishing gear as well as the newest and hottest tackle. Our friendly and knowledgeable customer service staff can help you every step of the way. And we offer free ground shipping on orders over $50. Tackle Warehouse. Everything for the bass angler at the lowest prices. Guaranteed. I have to be constantly on the lookout for new techniques to stay on the top of my game. Some have been more successful than others. The finesse fingernail. Happens every time. The chain gang. Ah, broke it off. The crow's nest. Never let go. 
And don't even get me started on tackle management, especially trying to stop rust and corrosion. Peanut butter. Hmm, that's good. Motor oil. Gotta keep the rust off all these baits. WD-40. Gotta keep the rust off. Silica, toothpicks, Q-tips, the list goes on and on. I'm hard on tackle, I fish fast, I need my tackle organized and protected. I can't be worrying about losing baits to rust. And when it comes to tackle management, there's only one solution. Flambo Tackle Storage Systems with Z-Rust Technology. The original anti-rust tackle box. Uncompromised clarity. Renowned durability. The infused anti-rust option that is FDA safe and free of harmful chemicals. The organization options are endless, but there's only one. One box, one anti-corrosion technology, one family-owned American-made brand, Flambo Z-Rust Tackle Solutions. Preserve, perform, repeat.